Marguerite Bennett, and you are listening to the Top 5 Comics Podcast. Welcome to Top 5 Comics Podcast, people talking about comics, pop culture, and events. With us today, we have the Master of Disaster, Josh45. Yo, yo, yo. And we have me, CBS. Yo, I guess. <laughs> Why don't you be more yo's than me? I, like, or just yo-yo. Then I don't like that at all. Yeah, I know what they are, but, and I do like to play with them. They're pretty cool. You can do more tricks than you think a person can do. I got really, really good at them for a while. Yeah? When I was in high school, I had a radio station job, mm-hmm. and I spent a lot of... like. I was on the air. I was like, I was just a DJ, but I also, some of my other jobs were like running other, like the Broncos games. Sure. I just, it came from a feed from the big radio station. Right. And so I just sat there and like fed it through the board and then had to play our commercials when it was like a local commercial. And then they, they had national commercials as right. well. But then, so I had just had this time. I just sat there for like the entire pregame game, postgame. It was probably six hours where I just sat there. And I just got really brilliant at the yo-yo. Nice. Because I spent six hours, like, every Sunday just, like, boop, boop. I could do everything. I was, like, shoot the moon, walk the dog, do the, yeah. what's the, hang, the... Rock the cradle? The cradle one, yeah. Cats, mm-hmm. like, cats in the cradle, is that what it's called? I think it's rock the cradle. I don't know. Anyway, it probably has a million names. I could do a bunch of different things. It was pretty fun. I, was, I, got, I got really, really, really good. But. Nice. What was, the, what was the the two brothers who did the comedy duo? The one was the Yo-Yo Man. What were those guys' names? Do you know what I'm talking about? Comedy duo. Yeah, it's old-timey style. They uh, they used to travel around a lot. They have a TV show for a while, too, back in the 70s. No clue. Hmm. I'm going to have to look that up and figure that out for if next You said it, I'd probably make ring a bell, but... My brain doesn't remember what, the name, what their names are. I mean, with some high school friends, because we all got kind of addicted to Yo-Yos. Um, Troy, you know Troy. Yeah. He went and did like he got he made little um, vinyl vinyl stickers for him. So like mm-hmm. all the blue yo-yos that we had, he made little Superman stickers, and for all the green yo-yos, put Green Lanterns on there, and for all the white ones, I think he put what did he do for white? I think the Shazam on the white for some reason. It's like a lightning bolt. Yeah, but later on it makes sense now. That's before he had the cape. He didn't always like. Well, he kind of had the cape, but he's always had. It's a lot cape. bigger now with the hood and everything. So, sure. but I think the white he did Shazam, and then we had we did Flash ones too. But like the stickers were perfectly weighted, so he got them on the right. It made the yo-yo just he- that much heavier. more heavier, yeah. so it made it better. Nice. So then I had like I had like six or seven wood ones too. I had some. I had a lot of good yo-yos. So I was like into it for a long time. Yeah, but. The person that I was thinking about is Tom Smothers. It was Smothers Brothers. Oh, the Smothers Brothers, yeah. 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 I, I, knew, I knew if you said I'd probably remember. Yeah. yeah. Smothers Brothers, yeah. Their last touring show prior to them stopping touring, um, I worked in that event here in Colorado at a couple different locations. So. That's crazy. Yeah. Funny enough, I got the dude teaching people how to do yo-yos like, in the dressing room and stuff is cool. Did you know the Three Stooges did stuff all the way into the 70s? I did not know that. How insane is that? It's crazy. And their golden years were like... The 40s? Weird. That's crazy. bizarre. It's crazy. Yeah. It's weird, weird stuff. The more you know. Anyway, so as far as episode today, we're doing episode number 147. And we're going to be going over uh, Doctor Doom number 7 from Marvel Comics. And Unkindness of Ravens number 1 
And uh, this guy is from uh, Boom Studio Comics, or Boom Studios. Uh, then the uh, Dark Knight's Death Metal Speed Metal, number one. I should do that at the end. So next one will be Juggernaut, number one, from Marvel. Then we'll finish with the uh, Dark Knight's Death Metal Speed Metal, number one, from DC Comics. Speed Metal, if you're writing the one-shots, and you know the DC one-shots are a lot bigger issue-wise. So, so that'll be the uh, DC for the evening. It's a biggin'. Yeah, it is. It's true. Want to do a little bit of news there, Josh? Yep. What's in the news? Well, um, as far as news stuff, uh, the Watchmen made uh, history for uh, for the first time that comic book adapted show to earn 26 nominations at the Emmys, and they won 11 in total, um, including Best Limited Series and Best Actress in Limited Series uh, for Regina King. So that's the HBO uh, Watchmen show. So it won a lot of things circuit-wise. I probably should have watched more episodes of it. Or I've been told that by multiple people. Um, but yeah, so pretty big deal as far as like uh, comic book-flavored uh, adaption things. Marvel's released some pages uh, and a few of the covers for the upcoming Star Wars High Republic series. Uh, it's currently listed as an ongoing book. There's going to be a few like titles in this whole New Republic timeline. Um, but as far as the books are concerned, the, the, one of the first ones, we're going to have Phil Noto on it, and uh, the writer is uh, Kevin Scott. Um, this one's going to be set 200 years before The Phantom Menace. Uh, the first book is currently set to come out January 5th, so I guess we'll see if that sticks. Um, one of the other ones, one of the main ones in the series is going to be the Charles Soule book. And Charles Soule is going to be doing uh, a series called Light of, the, Light of the Jedi, so Star Wars High Republic, Light of the Jedi. And uh, this series is going to feature a Jedi Master named uh, Stellan Geos, uh, who's going to have an Excalibur-style lightsaber. So uh, that whole hilt thing, kind of like uh, Kylo Ren's, but more, I don't know, good and not broken. So they're tr- they're adhering it to the Excalibur lightsaber. Hmm. And all this stuff's going to be set. Like, there's pictures of it online now, like the design pictures. It looks cool. It's a lot more sorty than than a normal saber, but the way it's built, the uh, hilt comes out of the handle. So it can look both ways, which is kind of genius. Anyway, it looks really cool. How that's going to apply to the story, don't know. I mean, this is 200 years before most of you everything know, they, else. The What's the Star Wars um, convention thing that they do? Uh, celebration. Yeah, so celebration. They talk about these books a little bit. It was like very vague. They just said the na- they said the name, and they said the- then they kind of said like time period. Right. Um, I think Yoda is supposed to be in it periodically. It makes sense if he um, was. I do know a little bit about it just because I listened to another random Star Wars podcast that I stumbled upon when I was bored one day, and so they it was like the day after celebration happened, and that's just all those guys talk about. So I was sure. like, so that's the only reason. And so then I went. I listened about 10 minutes of it. I was like, I can't listen to this. But then I like went and like just read about it myself. And I was like, oh, okay. But it's just like, it's a bunch of novels and stuff. So it's just like. Well, these are comic adaptions. Yeah. So like the, the first batch of stuff, I guess, was novels. So, but, yeah. so they must be doing like comics, like the comic book versions of like uh, like offshoots or something like that. Because they talk about there's going to be a lot. This is going to be like the basis. And there's even talk about the next run of films are going to be based in this time period as well as what they're saying. So, I mean, that's just the talk, because it... Sure. And Yoda will be real young, and he'll be appearances and things and that and stuff and stuff and things. But 
Anyway, I just, it, it was very vague at the time, but so like, as you started t- talking about it, it all came back to me. So I was like, oh, I remember a lot of this. So, um, but at the time, like, again, they just kind of like barely talked about it. You know, this, this is newer information than probably what they had at Celebration. But as far as like writers, I mean, Charles Soule is a good writer. He's wrote a handful of Star Wars books already for, for Marvel. So right. he's good. Phil Noto, I like as an artist. So, I mean, all the Star Wars books they've actually done in the modern Star Wars Marvel have been pretty good. I mean, there's a couple of duds in the middle, but a 75-issue run of Star Wars, and you only have, like, maybe five that are not great, or not, I mean, I guess questionable. How about that? It's pretty good. So, yeah. as far as the series are concerned, I don't feel like they've done too bad with any of those. The Vader ones have been really good, and if you like Dr. Aphra, her series are fine, too, and I think she's great, but... She'd be the weirdest one in the group, really, that her and the bounty hunter guy. But yeah, as far as, like, series, this is going to be another branching path with other series inside of it. So I guess the main one they say is ongoing right now, but that's subject just like everything else, you know what I mean? Um, see. Speaking of Star Wars, since we're on that. Yeah. Um, you and me, we, we just talked about this, and I know that we're doing news. But I feel like we've talked about this. We may not talk about this, but I don't know. Sure. So Rosario Dawson is playing Ahsoka in Mandalorian Season 2. Right. But that is actually confirmed. We've talked. I know we've talked a little bit about some rumors about maybe Boba Fett, maybe Mark Hamill making appearances, things right. like that. But so, like Rosario Dawson is playing Ahsoka in Mandalorian Season 2, which is really cool. Yeah. That's awesome. And again, when it comes to the Excalibur-esque style lightsaber thing, the Darksaber has that kind of feel as well, which is... Probably going to play heavily in this season. Yeah, yeah. I think part of the like Excalibur part is the way the hilt opens up because it opens up to look like kind of an old school sword. So think Kylo Ren sword, except well, so instead old, of lit the whole time, like really, really like old school Dark Horse, like Old Republic, like books and things when they did like very early on Sith for Jedi. Right. There was no, there was actual just swords. Right. It, was, it wasn't lightsabers, so that makes sense that there sure. was some sort of like original sword slash hilt thing that turns into a lightsaber as well now. So it would make some, it would make sense that way. It'll be interesting to see how it plays off. They, they act like it's one. So I don't know if this particular Jedi is just going to be his main thing. I mean, like all the follow-up novels, even with the Ujjan Vong and stuff, we had guys whose lightsabers did particular things. Like there's one whose lightsaber could extend an extra three or four feet or something. So like having different lightsabers with different things is not, it's not like unheard of. I remember how Katarns could do that. Is he the one that had the extent? I couldn't remember the name. Yeah, he was he was from the this is that video game for Super Nintendo. I think he was the main character. Oh, maybe Dark Empire. No, nope, I mean that right. was that was a game, but I don't know if that's the game you're talking about. Brain wise, I don't remember that. Anyway, he yeah. was like a Jedi that was like kind of in training from Luke. I don't know some sort of expanded universe thing that obviously went away when right. Disney bought it, but he had a special. It was Kyle Katarn, I was pretty sure that's him. He had a, yeah. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I said, like I said, I don't, I don't remember the name, but. He flew a ship, sim- like, similarly looking to the Millennium Falcon, but it was, like, smaller and the cockpit was a little bit different, but it looked, it looked kind of like that. Huh, alright. Well, that's cool. I don't know, maybe they're bringing some of that stuff back with all this. I guess we'll, we'll see. I mean, they re, they did start reprinting a batch of those dark, dark, dark horse books in the, what they call, uh, Star Wars Legends in, right. they're not technically canon, I guess, well, they, but. But they brought, th- you know, they have brought some of that stuff back, like Thrawn is, oh yeah, you know, they, he's regular canon he, now too. You know, he was very much. Dark Horse, oh yeah, gone. for sure. 
Well, he was actually more than he was. He was the novels. He was oh, yeah. Zahn's. Timothy Zahn did him. Yeah. And he showed up in the comic books afterwards. Yeah, he so. wasn't a thing whenever. Right. The new order of Disney Star Wars but happened. He was, but he was too rad to not use. Oh yeah, he's awesome. Yeah, like he's one. Of, he's one of the coolest Empire characters that there are. Oh, yeah, like, he's a good bad guy. He's he's not even necessarily a bad guy. He's just cold and calculated, and just found himself on that side. And he's like supposedly the only alien that ever made Grand Admiral underneath Palpatine. That's because they were very anti-alien, actually. Very, yeah. exactly, and that's like it was a huge thing. That's how that's how amazing he was. So, so he is, he's, yeah, awesome. he's a rad character. Always liked him. Um, let's see a little bit of other news. Uh, so RT Comics is going to be going to uh, date and digital release the same date with their books, which I mean, okay, whatever. It's it's Archie. Um, so instead of having the waiting period that most other companies have when they go digital, apparently they're going to be day and date released. So digital comics come out the same day as print comics. Um, and Sabrina is being canceled on Netflix, so it's going to have its last season. So those just connect because it's Archie flavored. That's the only reason that's in there. Uh, something else kind of cool, which I th- if it's not, uh, it's not, uh, Netflix related by any means, but, so Marvel put out a trailer for Marvel's 616, which is going to be a a group of short films, all done by different directors, mostly like aspiring new directors, I guess. Um, so there's eight of them in total, and each of the uh, different movies is supposed to connect to Marvel in that way that the Marvel Universe is the universe right outside your window, and like go with cosplay and artists, and one of them is even about the... Uh, the, the Japanese Spider-Man, which is, like, surprisingly very different than the regular Spider-Man. So, like, all those things are going to be coming out through Disney+. Plus, and the, the way they tote it is, like, all the episodes are watchable as single movies. But they're technically part of, a, like, a eight-part series. And the trailer looks kind of cool. I mean, it, some of it seems a little soapboxy, but depending on who you are, determines whether that's a soapbox or not. You know what I mean? Right. So that should be kind of cool. It's definitely interesting, because it's all stuff that was filmed... I guess during COVID and people using pieces of real life and stuff around it for how they're affected by the Marvel situation, like the properties and things. I don't know. The trailer thing looked really cool. So I'm interested to see what it's worth or what it, what it's about. So I say it's worth a watch probably. So that's neat. CW's Supergirl is getting Dunskies. Right. It's can't see they're gonna finish this last season. Then I wouldn't canceled. say cancel. They're just finishing it. Yeah, I mean it's it's a cancel because that's what it is. But yeah, it's it's they're just ending the season. And I guess there's rumors she's gonna cameo, like kind of how they did with the Superman stuff at the beginning in like, the Superman Lois. So I guess we'll or see. Green Green Arrow when they right they ended him and he just was in everything else. Right. Well, he's character wise, he's no longer the same character anymore. But we can see a return from that. I mean, it's the same thing happened with Hal Jordan. It's like they took the Hal Jordan being the Spectre and used that instead for Green Arrow. So right, but I mean, he, they ended the show and then he was still in all the other stuff. Well, just for the just for the crossover at the end, yeah. The that thing's supposed to come back too with the, with the daughter playing the part of Green Arrow, which I don't know if that's still happening anymore or not. But it was going to move forward as I think Green Arrow and the and the Canaries or. Green Arrow, God, it was Green Arrow something, but it was her playing Green Arrow and the two Black Canaries that are still around life-wise on the shows. Huh. So, whether any of that's happening or not anymore, no idea. The new Superman Lois Lane show, which with that guy who doesn't look like Superman, he's so (laughs) stupid. Anyway. 
Well, that that's a show that's happening. Not everybody hates me the way you do. But a lot of it's, people do. it's still happening. Um, something totally separate from shows. So Spawn, they made an announcement about the issue 311. is going to have a uh, variant cover by Todd McFarlane memorializing Chadwick Boseman. Oh, that's cool. Um, it's, the picture is actually freaking awesome. Um, it's Chadwick in a Spawn uniform doing the Wakanda Forever pose. And, like, uh, the picture is great. It's really awesome. Um, he also released a statement along with it that praised, praised Chadwick Boseman for just the kind of person he was and that we should all admire the, uh, traits they shared with all of us because of the kind of type of person he was and the kind of guy he was. So it's really kind of cool statement to release. And, like, the cover itself looks freaking awesome. Like, it looks great. Um, so that's pretty neat. I think that's really cool. Um, also in Chadwick Boseman news, like, Marvel started doing a batch of banners and, uh, on the back of a lot of the picture, the, the issues this month have a, uh, memorial, uh, image for him on the back of the books. So there are a lot of those with them this, uh, this current month. And the picture is pretty freaking cool. So anyway, so that, that's neat. That's happening. Um, the last little thing I really had is that, uh, um, LA Comic Con still says it's happening. And, uh, they released a batch of new news about how they were going to handle that thing as far as space and how many people are allowed and the way they're selling tickets. So, like, the way they're going to be doing it is in sessions. So every day of the three-day convention will have two separate time frame sections. Sessions, sorry, sessions. What's the date? Uh, that one is in December. I want to say December... Oh, God, I should have wrote that down. No, hold your breath. December 9, 10, 11. California's already, like, re- oh, yeah. brought their stuff back so many times. It's so old. Oh. Like, they're the, they're the worst one in the Oh, country. I don't have any doubt about that. Like, Plus, they, they made, have the fire situation, too, so it's just like... Yeah. They made the announcement they were moving it to the art to December, and, like, two weeks later, the state closed again. This batch of information just came out today. Well, no, not today. Probably last week. Um, and at this point they still seem to be moving forward but yeah I agree with you I don't think at all I think by the time we get there it'll be a different story unless something else drastically changes in the world for the better part of things but the way they're saying it's going to work is that over the three days there'll be a morning session and an evening session and I guess when you buy your tickets you get to pick three sessions to go to and I'm sure they have a limited number of whatever they allow per thing because they're saying they're only allowing 13,000 people when normally the show takes in 41000 So by making the sessions, I guess it'll be 13 per session. And so you don't get to go for a full day. You get to go for half the day. And how they're going to police that, I have no idea. Because it seems like a crazy idea to me. Trying to check out bodies and move everybody out of the convention center to have the next batch come in. It's not undoable. Um, but the way they're talking about it, they say the morning sessions will be 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. And the afternoon sessions will be 3 p.m. to 8 so I guess the hour in the middle will be a window to clean and move people out of there, I guess. So I, I guess we'll see if it works. I mean, as a thing, I think it's interesting they're still trying to move forward. I, I'm with you. I still think that by then it's very possible California is still closed down. And even if the fire situation is underhand, if the, other, if the COVID situation isn't, then I don't know how you could try to have this without being a major problem. But I guess we'll see. It is interesting that they're still trying. That's what I have for the for news as far as uh, stuff today. I think we might have talked about this before. I guess there's one more little thing. And I cannot remember the actress's name now, so it doesn't really help. But She-Hulk got cast finally. Yeah. Um. So we may have talked about that before. But it's a chick from Orphan Black, which if you have never seen that, you really should because it's fantastic. 
Uh, yeah, we talked about that last episode. Did we? Okay. I couldn't remember if we did or not. I think we, I think we brought it up on us and then we, we might have talk about it more on Never Been Done. Probably. Went into like her filmography. Yeah, yeah. But. Yeah. As an actress, that lady's awesome. And if you, like I said, if you haven't seen the BBC show Open Black, it is, it is great. Like it's really good. So check that out, I guess. Um, do you want to move into some books? Um, yeah. <laughs> if you don't have any more news, I just wanted to throw one thing in there real quick. Huh. It's more action figure oriented, but you kind of talked about Umbrella Academy for uh, they um, Boss Fight Studios. Um, we we, we did talk about it a little bit several episodes ago, but they did just show they just started. They just started today. So whenever you listen to this, go check it out because it's like they don't. I think they're gonna do one a week for a while. The first mock-ups of the first figure, which is really really cool. So um, there's gonna be multiple waves. I don't know who they're gonna do, how and when, and all that kind of stuff. Right. But well, they um, put out a picture of the, the the outline or the structure outline for Cha Cha, like uh, the blueprint. I guess I don't even know what you call yeah, those the mock-ups. That's, mock-ups. Yeah, that's, okay. right. that's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's that's the one that you saw. Okay. Yeah. So that's so that, cool. that was the first one. So that, but they're going to do like one a week or two a week or something for a while until they through wave one at least. Um, I don't know who all they're going to do. They've it's been really under wraps because like I think Gerard Way has. I don't. I mean, I know that like it got released under somebody and then it got released. Didn't didn't the second series or under a different company? Are we talking about the? The comics or the comic? the comic? No, the comics always come out from Dark Horse. So Dark Horse put out the comics, mm-hmm. but they're going to do comic accurate ones as well. So it sounds like what we're getting is probably show figures and the comic figures, which would be two which is what they're doing with the Flash yeah. Gordon. Which so okay. if anybody doesn't know this, and this doesn't make any sense, um, Boss Fight Studios is an amazing action figure toy, independent action figure toy company that does like um, they started out with their very first thing was this thing called Vitruvian Hacks, and they do like they did like a Greek mythology um action figures and they're very compatible with a bunch of other 118th scale if you don't know 118th scale it's basically your four inch gi joe size size, star wars size those kinds of things so i I, you know originals of those like as we say like that is like all the new gi joe and star wars stuff like all the big stuff is the six inch line but that's that's beside the point so anyway um, Boss Fight Studios kind of is just the flagship company right now. They're an independent company. They started with a Kickstarter, and since that Kickstarter, they've done no Kickstarter or anything. They've just funded themselves with everything, and a bunch of because people are so impressed with their ability to put out top quality figures and lines and packaging and everything that like they keep getting these new series. So they got they got Bucky O'Hare, right? They got Flash Gordon, they got Zorro, they got um, Tarzan. They have, um, they do have a six inch line, the Legends of Lucha, Lucha Libre, which is like actual Lucha Libre, like actual, like Mexican wrestling people, like, which we talked about. Um, they also have a fantasy line, which is like knights and wizards and orcs and things like that. And they have lots of elves, elves, there's uh, elves as well. Um, and they're just a really amazing company because they give like, independent brick and mortar stores like their own exclusive just to help support independent brick and mortar stores. And that just, they're just a really cool company. They help other companies who have like done kickstarters to do their own toy lines. 
boss fights been over in China or wherever else working in the factories trying to get their product out. And they're like, hey, by the way, we have that same problem. Here's how you fix it. So they help other companies get all their stuff figured out as well. So they're all they're about is the product. And there's amazing. They seem to I don't I don't know one even personally, but um, one of their main designers is the dude that's designed stuff for like Star Wars and G.I. Joe and all sorts of big stuff. Like he actually followed us. On action figure deconstruction, we had that conversation. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they have a lot of really cool people working for them and it's just, they're an amazing toy line, which, so, but they're doing the Umbrella Academy line now, which is amazing. And they're going to be doing comic book accurate and, um, movie or TV show accurate figures both. It's going to be an ongoing line. So there's no end in sight. So it's just really, really, really fun and really cool because it's such a cool series. Both things are cool series. Right. And so I'm pretty stoked on it because like they're, uh, I'm kind of curious, um, what's his name? Is it number one or whatever? When like the gorilla version, like yeah, how one. they're, I'm, can, I'm, I'm curious how they're going to do that because they haven't done a lot of big series as yet. And so, uh, on top of that, they're going to do, um, I think my biggest one that I'm really excited for is, uh, Kraken, the comic book version with like the, like the prison stripes and the purple and like the knives. I think that's going to be really, really exciting. Right, right. Oh, and they got, uh, one of the other lines that they have, which makes sense for like the, the kid versions is they got, uh, the little prince. It's like that, uh, kids, the kids book. Yeah. With like, like him. Tell, fairy tale type one. Yeah. Fairy tale anime ish looking with like the little fox yeah. and stuff. So like all the little kid versions in the school, cause school uniforms and stuff like that. They're, they're making molds because they're, they're cross using molds for different things. Like, you know, the little kids, like, They'll be able to reuse arms and legs and this sure. for different things. So, I mean, they just kind of, man, they're just kind of killing it across the board. So I think I'm pretty excited for that because I, you know, um, everything I've seen, even if it's not something I'm not necessarily into, like the Zorro, I'm really excited for Zorro. Cause when I was a kid, I loved Zorro. Sure. Um, Flash Gordon is going to be amazing because you're getting movie Flash Gordon and comic like Flash Gordon. Sam Jones and you're, but you're also getting the comic book ones, right. like the 1950s style, like, I don't know, man. This got a lot of, oh, the Phantom. That's the other one they're doing is the Phantom. Yeah. And they're, they also do the Mighty Steeds, which they have like horses and unicorns, huge, and massive elk yeah. and unicorns and things like that. Like that. It's pretty crazy. Characters can ride. So they're just kind of killing it on every level. And, uh, so you should definitely check them out. So this is my last bit of news. Like the, they released the first mock up of that. So I thought it was pretty cool. So yeah, from Umbrella. Yeah. It's Cha Cha from, uh, yeah, it looks very like, I mean, it looks like show Cha Cha. So I think that's awesome. Because Umbrella Academy is great. If you guys haven't watched season two, I mean, I will give you there's some retread. Not to ruin it for people. There's a little retread, but it's still pretty good. Definitely a fan. Right? The retread, is that what you're saying? Yeah. Like season one, I mean, there's some, some elements to feel replayed in season two. It's it's not horrible, but... I haven't watched season two yet, so... Okay, that's why. Okay. I mean... I've... It's still good, and you should still watch it, because it's good and we need to get more of it i mean season two we it's so much klaus and he is awesome in it it's great so we move on to uh to books just to let you know there will be spoilers doom number seven doom number seven dr doom dr doom number seven covers pretty rad it's a vintage dr doom with a weird raven getting a line on his arm Right. Um, sitting in a pile of dead bodies. 
Um, it is written by Christopher Cantwell, artist is Salvador LaRocca, and it gives a little bit of a backstory that uh, Latveria has basically been taken over by Simcaria, and uh, Doom has been kind of framed, and then he met up with Kang the Conqueror, and together they fended off Simcaria's pursuing agents, but Kang eventually betrayed Doom, which Kang do- does always, yeah. like... Well, there was this huge event up on the moon where they were opening a black hole to try to fix global warming. It was called the, uh... It's the hour. The Antleon Project. There you go, Antleon. And, like, Doom was completely against it because there was a lot of side effects and bad things. So. Right. Ultimately, the other country, well, what we found out by now is that Doom believes the other country blew it up. However, they used rockets that look like Latvania rockets, so the world blamed him. Which makes sense, because half the time he's a bad guy. So anyway, all of his loyals, loyalists are, like, hidden out. And that's what this this uh, this book picks up right there in Northern Latveria, which is Sat- Siberia, basically. I mean, kind of, it's yeah. Like, it's frozen, tundra, horrible. And there's a, three vodka bottles sitting there, and one, they, one of them explodes, and then it shows a woman with a rifle, and... I'll explain the characters in a second. And like, yeah, you're so much better than just a clerical duty, Petra. And then, like, one of the other guys is like, oh, somebody approaches from the south. And then it explains who everybody is. And this is uh, Doom's This is Doom's loyalist. It's uh, Boris Corella, Doom's longest-serving advisor. He's in a wheelchair. Um, Petra Corella, Doom's chief of staff. And that's, like, um, Boris's daughter. And that's who was talking. And she's the one that was shooting. Um, Laren is the last surviving monk of Doom. Um, there's like a monk a monastery that like worships like those of Doom. Um, General Vasily Makayev, Doom's secretary of defense. Um, Christoph Renard, it's Doom's adopted ward. Um, he's long in line for the Latvian throne. It was another orphan that Doom adopted. Right. Zora Vukovic, aka Victorious. Victorious. Um, it's Doom's cosmic herald and champion Latveria. Um, and they're all just like in the woods, just hanging out, I guess. Like, just on, on the run, hiding out, kind of waiting for them. And there's, like, they see something in the distance, and all of a sudden, one of the most... I've read comic books for all my life. Sure. Most of my life. And I've been reading, I've been reading comics since I was probably seven years old. And there's very few times in my life when I when I see a one... One page, one frame that I'm just like, holy bleep. Just like, that is, it's one of those things that like stand, it's friggin' doom sitting on a gigantic bear. That's awesome. <laughs> and it is brilliant. He's writing it. It's freaking amazing. <laughs> He's like, it's got a saddle and everything. Yeah. So the question is, I didn't read the previous issue. I don't know. When did he make the saddle? Where did the bear come from? <laughs> no idea. What's the bear's name? He gives the bear a name. And <laughs> how did he know how to fit a bear for a saddle? That's a good question. How did he tame the bear? <laughs> There's so many questions that I have about the bear. Because as we know, you being Boris the bear, like in your old, you know, Ukrainian days. Sure. When he used to wrestle bears. Well, someone had to do it. Well, yeah. I don't know how you fit a saddle on one at all. They won't even wear earrings. It's weird. You got to rest them right, man. Apparently so. What's that one book? Man punches bear. bear punches. They're sure this bear fighter. Sure this bear fighter. That's yes. the one. But anyway, this is epic. And the other thing I have a question is like, it's the middle. There's snow over here. It's winter. Why isn't this bear uh, 
Wasn't it hibernating? Because Doom didn't let it. <laughs> you do what Doom wants. It doesn't matter. And everybody's just like, what the heck is going on? And, uh, and he, he, he rides up and everybody's like, uh, and he's like, this is my comrade, Novak. See that he's fed. And, uh, he's like, I'm going to rest and then there'll be a reckoning. And then he like talks, tells him to like bring his special armor. And then it flashes to, um, space and they're on a spaceship and there's Dr. Adam Brashear, aka the Blue Marvel. He's, uh, the living antimatter reactor. And they're trying to shut down this black hole. And they're all like, he's got a special suit. He's going to fly in there. He's going to use his antimatter powers to try and shut this black hole down. Right. So it's going to flash between the two. Yeah. It flashes um, back and forth. Like Doom told, before Doom left to come back to Lavania, after he got the uh, ultimate nullifier. Oh, oh yeah. So Doom does have the ultimate nullifier. Mm-hmm. That, that was actually in the previous half. I forgot that. Right. They, he tells them the blue marble is uh, the way to fix the problem. And of course, Richards doesn't listen to him. I mean, nobody does. It's, they all think he did it still. Right. So that's why the Blue Marvel's up there trying to see if Doom's theory is actually right. So Doom's like, um, I'm going to rest, prepare my winter cloaks in my tribunal mask. And you're like, ah. It is kind of crazy. So the next scene is him in his tribunal mask and his winter robes, which is furs and longer green cloak and this crazy like more demon with horns and teeth mask it's way more intense and you're like oh it's pretty hardcore yeah all right and he's like a few words the bedrock of trust upon which i ruled has been shattered and you six comprise my innermost circle but even you must be tested and loyalties questioned so then he's basically being like I'm going to test all of you guys for your loyalties because I know things, but I'm going to test you and we're going to see where everybody lies. And then he's all, he's like, he also has the ultimate nullifier wearing around his neck. And they're like, Oh, that's the ultimate nullifier. That's uh, right. pretty intense. Which if you don't know, the ultimate nullifier is a pretty intense, very, very, very powerful weapon in the Marvel universe. Um, it is. There was a point when they tried to use that in infinity war against Magus and Quasar went out, flew out to try and use it against him, and then, like, Magus snapped his fingers and took it from him, so then he had the Infinity Gauntlet and the Ultimate Fire, and right. you know, that's the first time I remember seeing it myself, personally. And I think the first time it ever shows up is when we need a way to stop Galactus, and the Fantastic Four basically hold him off with a gun. And the Nullifier comes from the Watu, the Watcher. So we get it by proxy, but, yeah, think about it. If you've never heard of it before, and you've seen it in black, think the noisy cricket. It's a tiny looking gun, but it is crazy powerful. It's not really a gun. It's it like it kind of just kinda like does is, this big yeah. explosion well, thing. It shoots like a crazy beam. It's like whatever it was could shoot through Galactus, where all of our normal weapons couldn't do anything to him. So yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird weapon, but yeah, it's, it's a lot like that. No, noisy cricket. Just not a noisy cricket. So he starts off with Petra, which is the daughter, which is chief of staff, and he makes her kneel. And she swears her loyalty, and um, he asks about her sick father, and he he kind of is very. She's like she kneels and she's and she like talks about he talks about her dad, and then he's like, Petra, I'm more demon than man, and and she just doesn't really know what to say. He's like, you can go, but it does it doesn't like that's the one that was just very like, huh? Then he goes to the monk and. The monk was like, he, like Doom wiped out 
the rest of the monks. The rest of them, and he was just like, "I'm still here for you," and to spread the word of doom. And he speaks in like Tibetan, and, he's, and they're like, "What? What? What do they say about me?" And then he speaks in Tibetan. And says it means hero. So, and then he that doesn't go farther than that. It just like moves to the next one. Then it goes to his uh, his general, and he's just like, "I swear my fealty." He's like, "Rise." And, uh, he talks about how he's been wounded in his, like, for Latveria and that his life's in service of your name. And then he, Doom brings up the Antillian attack, uh, and the missile silos were compromised and their air defense shield also failed in the counterattack. And he's like, traitors in our midst subverting our security. And then Doom was like, may I read you something? And it's a letter and it's from his, his top general and it's, Dearest Katrina, I dream of no fence between our homes where we could be together again soon with ease. I long for a simple chair, a porch, and you, my love. And so on and so on. It goes on like this, quite poetic. And this is Doom talking to the general. He's like, I have left the door open. All you must do is step inside so that we may embrace. And he's like, it's a silly letter, my lord. He's like, a love letter intercepted by my spies in Aninia after the Antillian attack. A love letter written to Countess... Katarina Karkov, former monarch of Simkaria. I'll give you a two-minute running start. And the dude just starts hauling butt. Right. He just, like, just books it. Completely breaks. Yeah, he's been caught as the traitor that gave away the missile codes. So he starts running out, and he takes um, Petra's gun, and Doom just mm-hmm. lines yeah. him up. It's kind of weird, really, because Doom comes out the door after however long he gave the guy to run, and well, he grabs her rifle. Well, she's standing there with her rifle. Yeah. But he walks out because, I mean... Doom's obviously like a skilled killer. Oh yeah, 100%. and the guys, the guys, a couple hundreds off, yards off. Like he could, he could totally walk out of that hut and enough time to like grab the gun and just like take his time and take a breath and and then he goes feed him to my bear and I was like, that's amazing. Yeah. So he shoots the dude and then he tells him to make him the food for the bear. <laughs> and the next time we see the bear, he's got fallen like a leg out of his mouth. It's crazy. Amazing. Yeah, it's awesome. The next is uh his oldest. Advisor, and it's the guy that's in the wheelchair. It's Petra's uh, dad, and he asks him, "Am I loved, Boris?" He's like, "You're loved by countless." He's like, "Loved because of fear," and he goes through the whole like fear versus love and all the stuff. And he's like, Vic, "Like, but this guy obviously knows he can talk to Doom differently." And he's like, "Victor, do you even love yourself?" And he's like, "I'm the living salvation of the human race." He's like, "But is there love in that adulation?" And he go and Doom goes. You forgot to kneel. And he's like Victor. I'm dying, and I and cannot. And he's like kneel. And so the guy just basically falls out of his wheelchair. And then Doom puts his hand on his head. And he's like, I accept your fealty. He's like such an ass. Oh yeah, which it's pretty brutal. Which is known. Like Doom is very vain, very much a jerk. So, and then it flashes to um, Brasher, and he's he's talking to Herbie, which is if you guys know anything about the Fantastic Four. Cartoon way back in the day, like her, that's where Herbie was kind of because they couldn't do the Human Torch because they didn't want kids lighting themselves on fire. Exactly. So. Um, Herbie's like their uh, Jarvis. Yeah, he's like their Jarvis now, which is cool that they brought that in. And he's in the suit trying to do this thing, and they're like, he's trying to do. He's giving it all he has, and he's like, you know, I never thought I'd say this, kind of making jokes, but this is all I got. And then it goes um, to his adopted son, and. He's like saying all these things. He's like, Christoph, stop talking. Please rise. But don't ever call me father again. Right. Doom talking to his adopted son. Which is, again, just cold, cold stuff. And uh, 
and then then it goes to Zora, and it's like I swear my undying loyalty to our master, his lordship, and he's like, get up, get up, Zora, speak freely, and she's like, I'm very well, I'm not a slave. My parents were members of Doom's children, and they died believing in something. Believing in you, I've led resistance forces in your name many times. And she's like talking. All of a sudden, he's just like hand her the ultimate nullifier, and she's like, "Uh, what?" And he's like, "Ultimate nullifier requires a focused mind to be used correctly, or else it destroys the user." My mind has not been very focused of late. I'm entrusting you with it until I return, which is a pretty—it's a big deal, pretty big deal. Hours later, it shows Doom flying, which obviously Doom could fly, right? No suit, yeah, because he has a sweet, awesome winter suit on. And he flies to um, this live area. Yeah, it's Castle Doom. It's yeah. nighttime, and it's Dmitri Furtunov. It's the uh, the, the guy that's taken over in lieu yeah, of Doom being on the run. Of uh, what's the other place called? Simkaria. Yeah, he's a Simkarian like guy that's taken over that area, and he's like staying in Doom's castle. And he's talking, and he like opens the doors, and he's like, "What's the heck?" And like opens it, and it's Doom just like floating there, and he's like, "What? Can't sleep?" And he like. Flies down next to him, and he's like, stand up straight like a king. Because the guy's like, oh. Well, he's scared, yeah, understandable. Yeah, she should be. And he's like, there's something missing. Yes, yeah, so a true leader of must have this. And he, like, shows his face, and, like, you know, Doom's face is messed up. Yeah. Scars, no, horrible. I don't know where the card, because, like, he was better after Secret Empire. So there's something, there's a miss in there for me, because I don't know where the new scars came from. But, yeah, he's pretty jacked up again. Well, he's always been jacked up. That's why he wears no, a mask. He got but... fixed during uh, Secret Empire. And after, no, not, yeah. So after, not Secret Empire, sorry, Battle Planet. Huh. So most recent, most, recent, most recent Secret Wars, afterwards, Doom was punished by fixing his face. And then for a while, he was a hero running around with an Iron Man suit as, in, as the uh, infamous Iron Man. But his face underneath completely healed. Hmm. So somewhere he's gotten injured again or maybe done to himself. I don't know. All right. It doesn't matter. Ultimately, yeah, he's messed up, but it's, it's. I don't know where it came from. So he hands this dude this knife. He's like, "This father, my, this was, knife was my father's, and you use it." And he's like, um, "My father, he was chased by your family into frozen fields where he died, clutching me in his arms. A Latvian ruler must cause pain and bear pain. Do it." And he like makes his eyes just start cutting his face. Like, it's pretty messed crazy. up, yeah. And the ruler of Latvia must be a god, and. A god must soar through the heavens. Can you fly? And he throws him off the castle. And then, alas, a mere more pity. And then all of a sudden, like, the kids come out. And it's... I want to say it's the other guy's kids. It's the dude that just got that just got killed's kids. And they've cut their faces. And they're like, yeah, do we look right, Doom? We can be we can be your, your follow-up. We can be the leaders. And then Doom's just like, no, no, no. And I almost wonder if they're like maybe supposed to be Doom's kids and it's a vision because it doesn't really go yeah, back to it. I'm not sure who they are, actually. Because, the, I mean, their faces aren't bloody, so they're scarred. So I almost wonder if it's Doom having a a PTSD moment is the way I took it. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think the kids are really there, but as to who they are, clearly whatever they did to, the, they did to themselves before... But I'm not exactly sure who they are. I think I think it's a vision. Sure. I think he's having some messed up thoughts. I think he's kind of I think he's kind of broken. This is the way that I look. That I don't know. Right. I mean, I think it's left to be like an unknown thing. Like what the heck? Because he Doom falls off and is like, no, 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 and like just yeah. falls. So he's just like, if it was that president's kids, he'd be like, well, I don't think that. Yeah, I don't think that necessarily the president's kids. I think they're. Doom's kids, but how that makes any sense, I don't know. I think they're a vision of Doom's kids, maybe. Maybe. 
or like who's the mother if he has kids? Like mm-hmm. I don't I don't know enough about Doom, I guess. Good, good question. I don't know that either. So um so then it's he stabilized the it goes back to um Blue what's his name? Blue Marvel. Blue Marvel and he he's stabilized the Antillian expansion has ceased. He's like, but it's not going any away anytime soon. I was like, no, not without more negative energy. He's like, I think I'm trapped or tapped out. And like, there's a complication. I'm like, of course there is. We're able to pass back across the event horizon, and they're like, so they're stuck here. And they like, hold on, who is that? And somebody coming to him, and he's like, I'm Doctor Otto Octavius. I'm here to seal this wormhole. And they're like, what the heck? Yeah. Like they got Doc Ock too, out of nowhere, which is crazy cool. I mean, I like I like me some Doc Ock, but I was just like, what? Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Doc Ock shows up at the end, but yeah, it, the whole uh, the wormhole thing is crazy too. But yeah, as far as like a thing, Doc Ock showing up at the end is pretty is pretty interesting. Uh, you got a score for that book there, Josh? Man, I give it a. Good four out of five. I liked the story. I thought it was really cool. Like I liked the crazy bear writing. It was amazing, and like him, like making all those people swear fealty, and like the making like just the the coldness of like making his friend who's in the wheelchair is dying, and like just get on his knees and could barely move, and then like the craziness of like seeing a vision, whether his real kids or a vision of his kids, and their faces are all messed up, and I don't know. It was really cool. I'm curious to see where it goes. I haven't been. I don't. I haven't read this, but this is my first time I've read Dr. Doom, so I don't know sure. what's going on. So this is actually something I'd be willing to keep reading. It drew me in. I was like, okay. And I've always kind of liked Doom. Like I, you know, he was never just like a full on villain. He was, he's a, he's a, it's different. He's, he's a ruler. So he has other people that he's in charge of. So like being a, being the king of Latveria. So he, it's not just about him. It's about like his country as well. Right. Which is a big deal. And he's like, he's very intelligent, like really like, um, you know, you have Doctor Strange, but then you have Doctor Doom when it comes to sorcery. Like, there's not very many people that are almost, almost equals to Doctor Strange when it comes to sorcery. And then also intelligence, like, you got Reed Richards. So this guy's, like, I'm almost on par with, like, Doctor Strange and Reed Richards when it comes to intelligence and, like... Crazy like, so- magic stuff. Yeah, yeah, so it's just, like, he's he's a very, very powerful human be- like, being. And so... You know, and then he like, he basically has an Iron Man suit kind of thing. So I mean, like, pretty much, I don't yeah. know. He just there's a lot to him. He's a very complicated character. He's oh, I've always thought he was really cool. So I get a four out of five. It's a really good book, especially being just like a random. It's that's obviously a kickoff to another story arc. But um, if this is a good time and you're curious about it, this would be kind of jump on Doom numbers, Doctor Doom number seven. So yeah, I agree. As far as like a story start, it, it makes sense there. They, there's a good write up page at the very beginning. There's the paragraph of text. It gives you most of the pieces that you need from what happened in the previous book, so it's a good catch-up page. Yeah, score-wise, I mean, I give it three and a half. The art's great. The story's awesome. As soon as I saw the bear, I'm like, this is a winner, because <laughs> it's just awesome. And the bear's only in, like, four panels, maybe, but it's the way he's used in there and the way Doom's like, here's my new pet, everybody, is awesome. I hope it's so a, good. I hope they give him a Doom bear suit. Man, it'd be hilarious. It's he's crazy. a crazy like, Doom bear, like, metal mask, and he's just, like, even more <laughs> yeah. scary looking. I mean, for being a, a big a big old grizzly, yeah, it's pretty... And a Doom bear that can fly? With a cape? A flying Doom bear? Man, that's, that's bad news for everyone. Except Doom. Well, I mean, obviously, except for Doom. Yeah, that's true. Man, it's so funny. It, yeah, it, it's awesome. All right, uh, let's move from there to the... Uh, 
Unkindness of Ravens. Or An Unkindness of Ravens. This is uh, the one from Boom Comics. It's issue number one. See, his book is written by uh, Dan Panosian and uh, is drawn by uh, Mary Anna Ignacia. And it covers, I mean, it had a couple different covers. So, I mean, there's a couple different choices to choose from there. Uh, as far as the book, when it opens up, we first start out um, in basically in a library. And we've got a uh, mo- moderator or a, uh, what do you call that? Is it a moderator? No, it's a... Narrator. Narrator. There you go. Moderator's supposed to handle debates and then fail it. <laughs> fail horribly. I know, right? You like that joke? <laughs> Stupid politics. It'd be cool if they, like, cattle-pronged. I'm like... Shut up! They should just give the dude a, a mute for the mics. If That's what I thought. Any control at all. I mean, they, a mute uh, would make so much more sense. Yeah, politics are dumb. Anyway, so we start out and we have a narrator, and it's uh, going over the different uh, things that are stored in this library. And we wind up finding out that we're in the uh, Abigail House, and this is the Abigail House's uh, library. And uh, it starts talking about um, the Times of the Witch Trials, and the moderator explains to us, not moderators, narrator, gosh. Narrator explains to us that, well, the witch trials were a pretty popular thing. Most people know about it, right? A bunch of occultists got caught and, uh, men and women got put to death because they were practicing witchcraft. Mostly women. But if you go back farther in the books and the history, which the library has the full history of this town and has a history of all these, uh, events that happened during the witch trials, he said the the books can give you the wins and the wares, but you have to read between the lines to get the whys. And if you go far enough back, you can see that the accused that were punished didn't start out as the accused. They started out as the accusers. And if you want to survive that kind of thing, you have to be smart as well as connected to others of your same means and, and knowledge. So basically, the book, the opening here outlines the ideas that maybe some of us feel to put to death were put to death by the actual practicers. And it talks about how those that survived or escaped and moved forward are the same ones that founded the country, that founded this town, that founded everything. And then we move forward into the beginning of the book um, with the story. And it opens up, and we have this picture of a blonde girl wearing, like, red cat ears and is on a missing flyer. And it says underneath, it's weatherly good, Last scene behind the Dan's Fourth High School, and uh, it's got some more. Tells you what you know what she looks like, what her you know description of the girl, whatever, and that she's missing. We switch to the next panel, and we have a girl that looks exactly like her, except with a bunch of freckles and glasses, staring at the picture with a boy standing behind her. He says, "That looks just like you," and she's like, "Yeah, it's crazy. I'm seeing it too." We cut from there to how her day started off normal. We get her inner monologue as she goes along, and her day started out pretty much normal for a girl in a brand new school, in a brand new city, in a brand new place. And it's got her and her dad. Her dad's driving her to school, and she talks about how her dad um, grew up in this town, and so they moved back here because dad's been having problems at work. He's hurt his back, and he's on heavy medication because of his injuries. The main injury came from when they were in a car wreck when she was a kid, and her mother and her sister both died in the car wreck. So we get some pretty good background of the two of them. And uh, as we're getting the monologue from her, um, Dad tells her he's got to go back to the hometown and finish up some other stuff and the town they just moved from. So he's going to be dropping her off at school and he's going to need her help taking her bike off the roof because he got it up there, but his, you know, it hurt his back real bad. So he needs her help getting it off. 
And he's like, oh, yeah, it's no problem, Dad. And, of course, her inner monologue tells us she feels bad that Dad's currently taking a lot of pills for his pain. We move forward from there, and, of course, she gets to school, and she's walking through all these people, and everyone in the school is, like, looking at her all crazy. And then she gets to the principal's office, and the principal tells her where her locker is and advises her that, you know, it being new in a new school, you want to try and make friends, blah, 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 you know, the whole speech about that. And, uh... They give her the locker number number uh, 23, and uh, as she's walking down the hallway trying to find number 23 is when she comes past the missing poster. And she turns to see the missing poster, and that's when the whole scene happens from where we first started. And she's like, wow, this is freaking crazy. And so she makes friends with the new, with this, uh, the first kid she makes friends with is this guy named Ansel. Ansel Friend is the character's name. He's like, oh, you're the new girl, huh? Goes, you know, it's really crazy because you look a lot like the missing girl. And so apparently the other girl's been missing for a few weeks now. and But yet they've already cleaned out her locker and we're moving forward, even with her missing, which is kind of weird, a little bit. Um, but he goes with her to her locker, and when he sees it's locker 23, he's like, oh, wow, that was that was Waverly's lo- locker. Waverly's the girl who's gone missing. Um, so she's the one that everyone thinks she is or thinks she looks like. Her main character is Wilma. So surprisingly, they're both W names. So not only does she look like the other girl, like their names are, they're not the same, but I mean, they're both W names, so weird. Uh, anyway, so she walks along, the, the two of them walk along, she gets to her locker, and he gets really alarmed initially, because he's like, oh, they gave you the same locker even? That's really crazy. Um, everyone's freaked out that she's gone. And so she opens up the locker, and inside there's this glowing, like, message in the back of the locker, and it says, uh, welcome to Crab's Eye, meet us after school, and near the birch trees, and it's got, like, a star and what looks like a goat head in it. And she's like, uh, is that normal? And the boy's like, what do you mean? She's the message. And he's like, what message? And she's like, ah, um, okay. And, like, Crab's Eye is the city. So the town moved to is Crab's Eye. Um, the, uh, the next thing we have, uh, the boy looks at her and he's like, yeah, I should probably watch out because that Scar- Scarlet dance force, she's really going to have her eye on you. Her and Waverly were friends. And Wilma's like, who is that? And he's like, well, she's kind of like, I don't know, the popular girl in school. And she's like, Dansforth, like the high school? And he's like, yep. Um, her great-grandfather, I guess, built the high school. So she is a family town lady. And uh so this falls into that mean girls crowd of popular kids, you know? Anyway, well, about that time, we get a shot of Scarlet and a couple of her friends. And then on the other side of the hall, we get a shot of... Three other girls that are like the mean witchy girls. He doesn't call them witchy girls, but he's like, they basically hate each other. The, uh, the Ravens is her group. So Scarlet has her group of, uh, I don't know, your cheerleader, cheerleader types. And then there's the Ravens, which are all a lot more punk rock. And one's got an eye patch and one has a mohawk. And there's four of them. Whereas, uh, Scarlet's group seems to only have three. Cause apparently Wilma was part of both groups, maybe? Anyway, so, uh, the school lunch, the school bell rings, everybody going to class, and she's like, whew, dodge the bullet. Nah. So she heads off to class, and in her brain, she's like, man, what a weird thing. All this is weird. And then we see the principal walk up in the hallway, and we have a man in a business suit that meets her, and she's like, Donald, what are you doing here? You here to donate another library wing? And he's like, no, no, the, that was a new girl, right? And he's pointing at, uh, Wilma. She's like, yeah, are you just here stalking teenage girls? And he's like, no, 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 I'm just real concerned about the missing girl, and, she goes, she's been missing for three weeks, and this is the first time you've come down here. 
has your daughter talked to the police yet? And then we see a couple of officers come walking up. And she says they're here all week. And they've been asking everyone questions about the missing girl. Has your daughter talked to them? And he's like, oh, you you already know that my daughter's at home that night. And she talked to him once. She's like, oh, well, maybe you'd like to talk to the police, Donald. And he's like, ah, no, you know, I got a place to be. And he excuses himself from the situation. Kind of sh- super shady style. Um, so we fast forward from there to lunch. And uh, now we're at lunch and uh, Wilma's sitting with uh, Ansel. And uh, they're just going over, like, how the school is weird. And everyone keeps looking at her and she's feeling kind of freaked out by it. And about that time, we have Scarlet and her friends show up in the lunchroom. He's like, oh, no, keep your head down. Don't let him see you. And, of course, they're there to walk up to her. And uh, they've got a couple, like, football player jock guys with them, like, stereotypical style. And uh, they walk up to the to them sitting at the table. And, of course, the uh, Scarlet girl is like, uh, beat it to Ansel. And he's like, oh, I know what I'm – I know, I know. And he gets up and he leaves. So she chases him away from the table and then she tells uh, Wilma, "Oh, we're, we want you to meet us tonight outside the out, outside the front of the building near the fountain. You need to come meet us." And she basically tells him that she has to hang out with them or meet them to become better friends. And she's like, "Uh, yeah, I don't, you know, I I might have other stuff to do." And she's like, "No, no you're going to be there." And she basically they basically leave the lunchroom, her and her whole group, her whole clique. And so Wilma's like, "Well, now I got two different cliques that want my attention." And following that, Ansel comes back to the table just to be joined by the Ravens. And the Ravens come up at the table, and Ansel's getting ready to get up and leave, and she's like, no, you're fine. And they introduce themselves. So we have uh, Yana, Vicky, Zoe, and Zeta. They're the four different Ravens. And they're like, you got our message, right? And they talk in a way that, like, the sentence is all one sentence, but it's coming from all four girls. So one girl is like, Wilma, right? The next one says, did you get, did you get our invite to the meetup? The third one says, Waverly's locker. And the fourth one says, nod your head, yes. So it's like all one sentence, really, but the girls speak it separate. So kind of creepy. And, uh, then they leave. And Ansel looks at her and he's like, wow, just wow. Both, both sex are after you for their little groups. He's like, what are you going to do? And she's like, I, uh, I don't know. And about that time, the bell rings for class again, and it's lunch to be over. So they both head off their classes. And then we fast forward to the end of school. And uh, her and Ansel are walking through the hallways, getting ready to leave. And he's like, have you decided who you're going to meet yet? And about that time, one of the jock guys that was with the uh, first group shows up in the hallway. He's like, I think you're going the wrong direction. And he, the Ansel's like, um, he's like, I'm not talking to you, nerd. And he basically tells uh, Wilma that... Uh, She's not going the right way to meet up with Scarlet and her group. And he's going to make sure she does. And he gets a little handsy with uh, Ansel. I mean, Ansel's a skinny nerd. Well, Wilma drops her bat, her books, makes a big loud noise with it, poses in this karate fighting pose. And he's like, oh, what are you going to do? And she goes, ah, see if 10 years worth of karate is going to pay off ever. And he's like, yum. That's what the dude says. So he's definitely like football jock stereotype jerk. Well, just as that happens, here comes Scarlet, and she's like, oh, no, you don't have to do that. If she wants to walk around and check other places out, she can do that. She can do whatever she wants. We'll be waiting for her. And then that whole group leaves, and Wilma decides to go out to the woods to meet the ravens. Ansel follows her till they meet the girls, and then the, he basically gets shooed away by the uh, one with the eye patch on. 
And we have another incident where they, they talk, but their talking kind of connects to each other. And, uh, she winds up, she, the one girl's like, so karate, huh? And she's like, nope. And they all kind of stand there looking at each other for a minute. And she's like, hang on, how did you know that? Because the girls weren't in the hallway when she said it. And then the one with the eye patch lifts her eye patch and we see this glowing white crazy eye underneath there. And she's like, I see everything. And there's all these sparkly, like, I don't know, if they're supposed to be fireflies or power or what exactly floating around all the girls. And that's kind of where it wraps up at. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's a lot of high school drama and we know it's about witches. So how exactly Wilma's going to fit into this category of things? I, I have no idea. I mean, the book is a pretty fun read. Uh, the art at the beginning is pretty, uh, I don't know, a little gritty and like... Very Sandman-y. Yeah, very Sandman-y. The main story is a little more simple. I mean, it's good art. It's just, it's just way more simple than the first three pages. The first three pages are very like, yeah, gritty and Sandman-y and... It's very, like, the internals of the book, I guess, like the main internals would be more like, it's just, they're very like, indie, kinda... Not quite as anime as like trying to flux to major like Scooter Girl Blue Monday, but along those lines, kind of. Right. It's got a it's got a more I don't know, Archie like the newer Archie stuff a little kind bit. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. A little more poppy. Good though. I like it. Like poppy, yeah, I guess it has that pop flair to it. I like it. I like the art. That's, right. I like that style a lot. Because it's clean and it works for this book for sure. Right. I mean I've, it's a pretty interesting mystery. I mean, as far as the book's concerned, I mean I can see a couple avenues that might take. Um, as far as a thing, but I also like Nancy Drew nonsense, so, I mean, I'm predisposed to that. Uh, I mean, score-wise, I give it a three and a half. It was a pretty decent read. It's got an interesting mystery to it. If it was a TV show, I'd be like, sweet, let's see the next episode, and then whoever I'm watching with would tell me I'm stupid. But, I did like it a lot. Um, the, the covers, both the covers that we got in the store were great. So, like, of course, they, I mean, the cover doesn't necessarily dictate the goodness of the book, but read-wise, it was a pretty fun little read. Um, it's coming out from Boom. I don't, I don't remember if it's a miniseries or not, so I don't, unfortunately I don't remember that. But yeah, I give it a three and a half. I thought it was a pretty fun read. I'm interested to see the next piece to figure out how this new girl that looks exactly like the other girl fits into the world, because it's crazy how close they look at, like each other. Yeah, I give it three and a half as well. Like, I like a good indie book, like a, like a, a weird, like fantasy-esque style, like, it's neat, like, it's, uh, it's, like, real serious, like, serious, like, a uh, teen drama, but not, right. but not, like, not, when I say serious teen drama, it's not, like, it's not, it's not cheesy, like, it's cool, like, it's got some, like, it's, a uh, it's got some weight to it. Sure. The writing's decent, it's good, so, like, I'm curious to see where it goes, like, my issues with like some indies is sometimes they start real like, like well, this is really good, and then it kind of pizzles out. Like they they put a lot into the first issue or two, and then they just kind of like, wow, I didn't realize I was going to get this far into us now, and I got to really pump these out. So like, I hope that they can just really stick with it. Sure. So well, writer wise, like, I mean, like you said, I agree. It's a good, it's written pretty well. And those first three pages, man, like setting everything up, the whole idea. Of the I like the flashbacks being that weird style. Yeah. It's neat. It's a very like it's very storybooky. Right. Well, and the whole thing they're posing is the idea that the people that died at the witch trials weren't maybe necessarily the ones that were bad, and the ones that were bad became the ones causing the trials, which is kind of like, I don't know, it's brilliant, really. If you think about that, the persecutor being the, per the persecutee being the persecuted, pretty cool. So that's, I think that's an interesting spin. But yeah, yeah, 
I, yeah, both is three and a half, right? Yeah. Really? Okay. Cool. Uh, well, after that, we move on to a, a different flavor of crazy uh, with the uh, Juggernaut. So we got Juggernaut number one. Um, this is a limited series, right? Uh, Juggernaut, I feel like, is a supply part, yes. Okay. Uh, Fabian Nasaza. That's how, that's how I say it. I don't know. Is that right? I think so, yeah. Um, Fabian Nasaza is the writer, and um, Ron Garney is the artist. And it starts out with like a little uh, write-up on the, the Juggernaut himself. Uh, a mystic gem, a force of o- overwhelming power. Nothing can stop the Juggernaut except himself. Another building falls. Another building falls. Another building falls. Kane Marco is done letting others pick up the pieces of the things he has destroyed. Starts out with uh, uh, Manklin. She's some sort of like maybe shield agent of some sort. I'm not quite sure what she's um, an agent of something. I'm not sure. Damage what. damage control is who they're part of. And they're like ready. It looks like uh, it's getting ready to do this thing. And uh, no traces from the nine realms. And go ahead and he's like, oh, it looks like he like doesn't like being buried alive. And then the building falls and like. Juggernaut just like climbs down. He's like, you'd think you, you'd think wrong, and he just like he's all huge and crazy like he always is. Right. Well, he yeah, he looks awesome. But yeah, the two of them are there like monitoring the destruction of the building. Right. And he's just like, well, that went pretty easy, Mrs. Manklin. He's like, you did well, Kane, and call me Mariah. So it's Mariah Manklin. Yeah. I'm not sure. I don't feel like we've ever actually seen her before, but the the group they're part of is Damage Control, and Damage Control, like they they first showed up in the uh, the Marvel Age Annual number four. So like in 1988-ish, 88 or 89, they had their own miniseries for a little while, but these are basically the people that get hired to go clean up the destruction. So think like crime scene cleanup team, same idea, except for destroying buildings. And as far as the world's concerned, well, Marvel and DC both have a fair amount of damaged property. So damage control, those are the people that come afterwards to clean things up or to finish breaking them so they can be rebuilt. So they're kind of like a shield. They're their own agency. So they're, so, you know. And they're basically hiring them to go break down these old abandoned buildings. And, like, it saves them tons of money because he just, like, goes in there, crush them, and moves on. And as he comes out, like, some people start throwing rocks at him. They're like, leave us alone. Like, this is our home. Like, we're living in these things. And he's just like, what the heck? And all of a sudden, somebody, like, with some sort of power, like, basically starts slowing him down kind of thing. And he's like, what in the heck? This is really strong. And he's like, son of a... And it's just like... Stop her to things will get worse. And then they take off. And he's like, one of those teenagers have kinetic force powers, and I need to kind of figure it out what's going on. If they're, if they're a mutant, I need to help them. Yeah. I mean, the Which current is, stasis of mutants is like all of them live on the, the island of Kratoa, and it's a peaceful place for them all to live, and they're safe. And uh, he's like, I know what it feels like to be powerless, because he's talking about this like supposed teenager, and uh, it's him on magic. Which is a cycl- or uh, Colossus's little sister? Yep. Um, banishes him to um, to limbo. Limbo, and he's just a regular skinny, just a regular dude, human. And he's but he's got all the armor and stuff still, and he's just like, he's like, I've been here before, know how to figure it out, and he knows how to get out of there. And it's just him walking and walking and walking, and the sacrifices and the sacrifices. He's and that- dragging his armor with him because it doesn't. Because so when, well, she... it doesn't fit him, because he's yeah. not huge. He's like a normal sized guy. And then he goes back to Manhattan, and he's like out looking for this kid, and uh, he just he's he's talking to him, kind of talking to himself, and like looking around. 
Oh, yeah, it's two different flashbacks. Like, the flashbacks is when he's in limbo, and it's telling about the time he was lost in limbo. Yeah, it jumps yeah, back he, to its he, current time. Well, yeah. yeah, but that's what I was saying. He's, he, this, like, I know, I know how, I, how, what it feels like to be powerless, and that's when he's talking about when he's, when magic banished him to limbo. Right. It's like what I'm saying. It's like he's, and that's when he's, he's just normal him, which is not like him, because he's normally huge and massive. Oh, yeah. It's kind of weird to see, like, a skinny version of him with this weird, like, I don't know, like homeless man look to him. It's well, because he's been in limbo for probably because I think he walks for. He, the song tells for, us how many steps or how many. Yeah, because it starts with there. like one bottle of beer, and next thing you know, it's just like forty million two hundred thousand forty-two bottles of beer, or a billion bottles of beer, and he like you know it's like it just yeah, keeps going crazy. down because that's how he's passing the time to keep saying. But as he it flashes back to Manhattan when he's looking for this this kid who's maybe mutant, maybe not, and uh, and all of a sudden like that the person yells at him and starts throwing rocks at him. He's like throwing rocks seriously. He's like for the record, this wasn't my first choice. And he like starts being like aggressive because he was just looking for him at first. And he's like, oh, not a force shield. It's a a deceleration field. You slow down a kinetic motion. That's a new one for a mutant. And like, cause he's trying to move and he can't, he's like, it's just very, and out this chick pops out and, uh, it's like, she's like, I'm not a mutant, but I am tired of your, your fat ass walking on my front lawn and hits him with it more and knocks him down. And, uh, and he just keeps coming like barely. And she's like, son, why, why don't you stop? He's like, don't know how. And she's like trying to stop him cause she'd never dealt with anything like this before. Cause he's pretty intense. And she's like, I won't quit until you leave us alone. And she's like, stop, please. And then she, she overexerts her powers and falls and passes out. And then he falls as well. And it takes him a minute, but you can tell he's finally like, gets up and like kind of shakes it off. He's like, like some bunch of stuff fell on the girl. And he's like, get your guys' butts up and help me like get the stuff off of her. And they take, so then they take her to the hospital and, uh, you know, he's talking to the doc and like, what's her real name? Is she gonna be all right? And she and the doc's like, just two fractured ribs, it'll be okay. Um, but if if you're not a, if you're not a relative, you can go. But he doesn't. He just sits there, right? And she's asleep and asleep, and he sits there until like the next day. And she's like asking the hospital, and he's like Bellevue, and she's like damage control couldn't even spring for uh, Mount Sinai. And Kane's like, you're one heck of a hard ass, ain't you? I can help you get to Krakoa where the mutants live, you know? And she's like, I'm not a mutant. He's like, uh, you know, D-cell makes you sound like a battery because that's what the name that she's given herself is D-cell. Yeah, D and then dash C-E-L. And, he's like, and she's like, uh, and Juggernaut makes you sound like, uh, I got nothing. It's a cool name. He's like, I want to help you, you know? I know what it's like. And then it flashes back to uh, Limbo and he's made it to... um. Crossroads. The crossroads. crossroads. Sorry, yeah. Um, basically, he says thirty days trying to find you, and he's been looking for this tree. It's the crossroads of how to get out of limbo, and you got to come there and sacrifice something. Sacrifice something you love. Yep. And so he takes his helmet, and. He's like, the rest of the armor I dropped along the way, but I kept this, and I have to sacrifice. I know, as, as pathetic as it sounds, this is all I've ever had that's mattered, and I just leave this here, right? And he touches the tree, and hangs it there, and poof, he's out. Yep. 
And so goes back to the hotel or the hospital room and they're, they're chatting and she's, this basically he's telling the story of being in limbo and she's like, I don't get it. If you give up your armor, how do you still have it? And he's like, uh, different armor, longer story. Speaking of which, and she's like, shorter story, science accident origins happen. My, Hey, my friends posted the videos of your fight on rocks tube channel. And he's like, uh, if it wasn't a fight, you got a, and you got a rocks channel for real. And she's like, I got over like a million views. They're just videos of pranks we pull. And he's like, pranks? And she's like, you know, just dumb stuff like making an elevator take an hour to get to the first floor. Or during the World Women's or the Women's World Cup parade, I made the confetti take five hours to fall. And he's like, that's really dumb. And she's like, oh, you should talk. What have you ever done besides knock down buildings and get trapped in block concrete for a year? You know how many views I'd get if you did something cool for my channel? And he's like, like what? He's like, I don't know. Big... Big guy helps little guys sort of thing. That stuff is like clickbait for people. He's like, that sounds like a lot like a superhero, and I'm not one of those things. Like, I'm not working demolition for damage control, or like what? Like, or I'm, I'm, I'm just working demolition for damage control. Besides, why should I care? I don't even know your name. And sure you do. It's Diesel. And she's like, your real name. Or, and she's like, only name I've ever known since the day I got these powers, because she doesn't remember anything. He's like, oh, I, okay, I won't push. And she's like, good. We saw how that worked out already, or that worked out already. So check this out, though. And it's like, uh, look at what one of the channel subscribers posted last week. Sure looks like some prime damage that needs controlling, right? And it's like this picture of the Hulk and his massive rage. And it says, stop the Hulk. Donate to help victims of this menace. And he's like, you're kidding. Right. And then it's like, she's not kidding. So it's just like the, ne- the you know, the next page is like Tim Jugger- fighting the Juggernaut Hulk. versus the Hulk, which yeah. should be issue two. Well, which just so you know, I went into Hulk- Juggernaut versus the Hulk and the Juggernaut has actually taken the uh, series lead versus the Hulk in um, battles past. There's been times when the, the Hulk stopped the Juggernaut, but the, the Juggernaut's one of the only people that's ever almost killed the Hulk, almost broke his neck. Right. So as far as that goes, I went through like, I don't know, probably 30 or 40 old issues and just like look through stuff and like, yeah, man, Juggernaut, like he holds his own, like he, oh, yeah. he more, more, more than holds his own. He's like, it's like. You know, Ollie versus Frazier. It's like heavyweight versus heavyweight, but like the Hulk, there's not a lot of people who put the Hulk down and can really just chill him out. And Juggernaut's one of those people. Right. It's pretty intense. So, and it's been a while, actually. Since two of them fought. Oh, yeah. There's been a whole lot of things that have happened. I mean, Banner got separated from the Hulk. The Hulk became, they got merged back together for a while. He was savage. Yeah. There's been a long time since those two characters have actually crossed paths. So, I mean, that's pretty cool. But yeah, like you said, it's Bruiser versus Bruiser, so awesome. Um, do you have a score for that book, Josh? I liked it a lot. I'm going to give it a four out of five. I was really impressed with it. Like, I've never been a huge Juggernaut fan, but this book made me like him more. And I, you know, I know that he's like, they take these villains and they kind of term these anti-heroes kind of thing. I get it. And most of the time I'm like, ah, oh, here we go again. Like, making villains cool because they're not quite villains, whatever. But I don't know. I just, Juggernaut's always been like the bastard, like step, step brother of 
Charles. Professor Xavier. Yep. And Professor Xavier's done some horrible stuff, so he's just kind of like, <laughs> yeah. my brother's a dick. Why would I want to be a good guy? Because sometimes he's a really, really big bad guy. Right. I just am who I am. And so, I don't know. I liked it. It was like four to five. I get it. Like, the art was decent. Um, stories really, really flows. I like the flashback, go back and forth between him being in limbo, like magic banishing him and all that stuff. Like, right. I know it's, it's neat stuff. I liked it a lot. So cool. Yeah. I mean, it, it is really good. I mean, score wise, I, I, I like the way the art works in it. I like the way the giant looks with his current suit. It's really cool. Uh, story wise, it's a good story. I mean, we've had like redemption stories for him in the past. I mean, there was a whole time when he was running around with that little, the mutant kid that had the fish head before he died and like had a different path for him. So this is interesting. And like the way this fits in the current world with the Kratoan Island and like how some people are let on and other people aren't, but for the most part, most mutants are allowed. So like, I like how that's going on. Uh, score wise. Yeah. I give it three, seven, five. Like it, it's pretty good. Like it was, it was a good start for a series and it's a mini series. So that's cool. But Juggernaut, yeah, he doesn't get a lot of play, and he really, he really should get a little more because he's kind of awesome. Yeah, I dug it. An old Magic Jim thing. I mean, that definitely is part of his crux in life. But yeah, it's pretty cool. So yeah, three, three, seven, five. That's what I said. All right. Uh, so we got the uh, Speed Metal. Speed Metal. Here we go. All right. This thing connects to the. Uh, it's part of the old Dark Knights Metal series. This is one of the one shots. Uh, so it's issue one number one, of course, because it's it's a one shot. And uh, if you've been following the show at all, we we talked a little bit about what was happening with uh, death metal and how it's the crazy evil Batman world. And this particular story, of course, speed metal is about the flashes because you know speed. Um, this this guy is written by Joshua Williamson, and the art in it is by uh, Eddie Barrows. And uh, I mean, just up front, both of them are awesome. I mean, Williamson's a great writer. Um, guy's awesome. He's been writing the Flash. Uh, from, I don't know, the last, like, two to three years. He's great. And Barrow's a good good artist. Um, anyhow, so the story first opens up, and we're looking at a watch. And uh, we see Kid Flash, Wally West Kid Flash, falling through the Speed Force. And on the back of the watch, we see that there's a uh, inscription, like, scratched into it. This is every second is a gift. And this whole time, we have this monologue going on, and it's it's Wally West inner monologue, thinking about the time that he first got the watch from Barry and remembers getting it and what it meant to him. And then we start seeing like him emerge out of the speed force and we're getting a flashback basically to what happened when Wally West got pulled back into reality by Barry Allen. And uh, it shows the second where he remembers fading away. And then it shows where Barry remembers him and pulls him back into reality. He's like, how could I ever forget you? So it's a flashback going over like recent history. And, um, uh, how Wally's had different different problems with the Speed Force and different things that have resulted in him uh, escaping the reset of reality, which is what Flashpoint caused. Uh, we jump to the next page and we see a giant Dr. Manhattan in his hand holding out over uh, different chunks of reality. And Manhattan merging into the DC Universe has had a major effect on Wally West's life. I mean, this particular batch of what's happening is all the reemergence into the world, him first rejoining the Teen Titans and them getting memories back of him, and then them fighting uh um oh press uh, it's a, the magician bad guy. That's Abracadabra, the um golden silver age villain. 
they used to fight fight alone all the time. Oh yeah, the magician guy, right? Yeah, yeah. I can't remember his name. He's different with most of the rogues gallery guys because he doesn't fight with anybody else because he has a massive ego, so he just fights, fights by himself. Right. Well. Yeah. Anyway, so when they were fighting him, and then uh, when Barry and Wally came to blows over Wally wanting to use the Speed Force to try to bring his family back from the other reality. Uh, if you guys didn't know, at one point, Wally was married and had a set of kids. Eventually, Barry Allen came back from the dead uh, through the Speed Force. And uh, we moved forward with both Flashes being the Flash. And then when Speed, or when the whole Flashpoint thing happened, well, Wally West didn't exist anymore. And subsequently, his family didn't exist anymore. So that led to a batch of stories where Wally... Uh, made some questionable choices during a story called Heroes in Crisis, which resulted him being in superhero jail. And eventually he was recruited to try to reset the world and fix part of the problems um, by a force outside reality, a judge. And that led to a series called Flash Forward, which uh, we get some shots of him with his kids during Flash Forward. And... Uh, he was trying to redeem himself and reset the world at whatever cost it took. And eventually that leads to him being partially merged with Dr. Manhattan powers and flying around in the, uh, Mobius chair. So, uh, all that freaking crazy. Uh, the flash has had a real interesting path of life over the last year and a half. Uh, so we turn from there to the next page and we have a giant shot of the bat who laughs head. And he talks about how the bat who laughs interacted with him and uh, the bat who laughs gaining so much power that he can make reality bend and make the impossible possible. And uh, it talks about him having the chair stolen from him, the Mobius chair stolen from him, and it left him abandoned again. So Wally's had a lot of, like I said earlier, he's had a lot of crazy stuff happen to him over the last two years. Uh, but then eventually we lead to the beginning of the uh, Death Metal series where Wonder Woman puts down the bat who laughs for a minute. And from there, Wally was freed and uh, able to rejoin his friends. So Wonder Woman basically saved him and, like, re released him from where he was trapped. Um, as a thing, of course, eventually the bat who laughs turns into the crazy demon speed bat. Um, so a much worse, darker, something even worse multiverse ending. And, uh, that's kind of where we're at from there, and we jump from the overview, catching everyone up, to the giant bat who laughs demon thing in the background, and Barry, Wally, and Jay all running from him. And uh, Barry's in the front, and he says, yeah, follow me, Jay, we gotta keep going. And as they're running, we wind up seeing they're being chased by the dark entity himself. And uh, there's a whole lot of cool dialogue between them, trying to figure out what they're gonna do, and what decisions to try to make. And of course, Wally tries to spread the speed force, and that doesn't work, and Barry's like, we just gotta keep running, we gotta keep running. Perpetua's made him too strong, he's too dangerous. Um, I mean, that's basically true. I mean, it's really crazy. Anyway, as they're running, eventually, all of a sudden, Kid Flash, Wallace West, appears on the side, and he's like, oh my god, I can't believe I found you guys. I've been running around everywhere looking for the Titans, and now here you guys are? This is awesome. I, I thought I was the only one left. And so he joins them running, so now there's the four of them running. And, uh, as the Speed Force is... is they, they keep talking about how the Speed Force, they can feel it weakening around them because they're all using it so much that it's pushing the Speed Force to its breaking point. And then out of nowhere, we hear a bunch of booms, and uh, we basically wind up having a bunch of dark flashes 
that have been recruited from all the different realities by the bat, boom-tubed into the situation chasing them. So now the Speed Force is being pushed even harder because we have all these crazy undead Black Lantern, or not Lanterns, Black-suited Flash, so Death Flashes. And of course, one of them's Gorilla Grodd, and one's a Batman, and it's crazy like how many different faces are in there. There are other realities, Flashes, that are just evil. And so now they're really gaining on him, and one of them grabs Jay, and Jay's arm starts burning, and Barry goes back and pulls him forward a little bit, and then Wally slows down to try to drag him away from, from the two, Jay and Barry, and we wind up seeing a uh, Flash that was a Joker as a Dark Flash, which is also crazy. And they're just constantly totting him, like laughing at him. Ha ha, it's in the line for you, Wally. And so uh, as they're running, Wally tells him he's got an idea. He's, you guys need to get clear. And uh, we get a really cool close-up of Wally's face with lightning shooting out of his eyes. And he says the speed equation. And it basically stops time around them for a few minutes. And it makes it makes everything around them stop. And so all four of them get to have a break for a second. And you constantly see the Bat and the Knights, the, uh, not the, knights, the uh, other Death Flashes, still coming. But the speed equations made them so fast that reality around them has slowed down. So it hasn't actually stopped reality. It slowed everything else down because they are moving so quick with the speed force and the speed equation added together. Like Jesse and... Yeah, from uh, from uh, Jesse Quick and, uh, and, Max. and Max. So the way they traveled, the like speed crazy... equation yeah. is a different... It's a different way to tune into the speed force, which exactly. like it it works the same way, but then when you combine the two of them, which comes coming up, like it... Actually, it's a double kind of like impact on the speed force. Right. And it makes Barry super pissed because like we could have kept running. Now what you've done, we're going to we have even less time. Because this is going to come up a lot in this time frame because right, right now what we have going on, which like if you don't know, like after the Silver Age Heroes, and I say Silver Age Heroes is in like you got your Hal Jordan, your Green Lantern, you know, he took over for Alan Scott got... Barry Allen, who is the Flash, like the, you're more modern Flash, but he's a Silver Age because he took over for Jerry, yeah. you know, and uh, you have all these all these kinds of characters. I'll use those two as, as examples because we, I could delve way deep into that, but like I won't. But these two specifically, that you had people who took over for them, who became fan favorites in their own right, and then got thrown back in the mix with everything. And so then you, you get Wally West. Wally West was Kid Flash. And well, he was the apprentice to uh, Barry, yeah. Yeah, he was he was Kid Flash. He was in the Titans. He was in all this stuff. And he, you know, when, when Barry died, Wally West was the Flash for a long, long, long time. Oh, yeah. Bef- like, Barry was gone for forever. I think continuity-wise, like, actual, like, real-life-wise, like, between... Like, Oh, years. Yeah. 20 years? Maybe. There was a long time that Barry Allen wasn't around. And at least was the dude. You know, and he was like, he was a way different Flash. And this book goes way into the, like, Wally was, Barry's like, was a cop. Right. He was like this straight edge, hardcore guy. Like, he just didn't have, he was like straightforward, hard racing forward, fist to the wall. You know, he was just, this is how it is. We run, we do this, and this is how it is. And Wally was like, he had a sense of humor, you know, like he was just more, he was different, but he was, he was, he was a, he was, 
ultimately, while he it goes into this in this book, we'll get to it. But he saves he saves things more than Barry ever did, and it's just kind of like with with Kyle, you know, Kyle Reiner versus Hal Jordan, and I feel like that because Wally and Kyle became really really good friends. Kyle went on to do miraculous, amazing things for the Green Lantern Corps. They're on such a higher level than anything Hal did, but yet, you yeah, know, it, it, it's the there's such, which one's a better version of what, right? It, it, it's it's definitely personal choice, but like. But Kyle and Wally were like really closely intertwined because, you know, they were, they were both picking up these mantles of these great master, amazing heroes. And right. they, they took it on when like there was nobody else to pick this up and they just did it. And like Wally, you know, like, you know, um, Barry says it multiple times in his issues, like Wally was always faster than him. Like Wally was the fastest of the flashes. Speed wise, yeah. Yeah. And so it's just like, I know it's just interesting. Like the way that they go into that and stuff and like what Wally truly is and, um, giving him his due after the, like the new, like when new 52 happened and all the stuff, like there's a lot of characters that just, we talked about that multiple times. Like just a lot of characters went away. Right. And well, that's what the whole beginning of this book is, is like catching up with like how things had happened. And which is really neat. Cause like they do, some, they do some things later on. I'll, I'll go ahead. I'll, I'll bring him up later on. Cause there's some, there's a couple like visual scenes that I'm like, they're, to do some throwback stuff, I, I thought it was rad. So sure, but yeah. So whenever um, Barry's initially super mad at him for using the speed equation because it's only made the speed force that much weaker, and he's like, "We needed to break. That we needed time to figure out what we were doing." And uh, at that point, we see that where they've stopped happens to be Central City, right next to the Flash Museum. And they're like, "Well, maybe we can find something in there to help fix the problem." And it tells him, "No, I've already been through there multiple times." That's what uh, Wallace says. I've gone through there multiple times, but maybe you guys can find something different than what I could find. And uh, Jay's like, oh, that's all right, kid. We'll, we'll go inside there. We'll take care of it. Everybody stays together. We'll do just fine. And uh, at that point, we wound up having uh, Wallace tell him that they're saying he can really feel it now. Like, they're breaking through the speed barrier. I can feel my power draining already. And uh, Jay, Jay grabs the two of them, and he's like, you boys aren't going to fight anymore. Like, we're not having the Flash's fight. We're going to stop that. And so he takes Wally and Barry and basically stops both of them from getting angry at each other, which is where they're at. And they drags him inside the speed, the Flash Museum. And he tells Barry that he can still fill the Mobius chair. And he knows if he can get to it, he can figure out a way to fix this. If he can get to the Mobius chair, he can figure out a way to stop what's happening. And uh, he believes the Bat's trying to keep him from that. Because the Bat who laughs tried to use it, and he couldn't because the, the chair rejected it. But now with the negative... Um, the negative speed force? Yeah. Yeah, like the negative, whatever for for whatever. The force inside of uh, so Wally. Whenever he was existing outside of reality, he has a different version of the power inside of him because he's be from the other reality. And with that, now the bat has had himself changed into this demon entity. He believes that the bat will be able to use the chair the next time around. And even though the chair initially cast him out, if he's able to get access to the chair, well, that'll be the end of the game. There's no way they stop the bat after that. Right. So he believes if he gets in the chair again, it'll give him the answer that he needs to fix the problem. And uh, as they're all talking, like Barry's like, oh, we can't do that. We got to keep moving forward. We got to keep moving forward. Flashes only move forward. Right. They keep running. And he like, they straight up, they, they sort of start arguing again. He's like, well, if you're not going to go with me, I'll go by myself. And Wally leaves. And well. Only for a second. Because right. then Jay Garrick's like, that's not how we do things. Like we we got to go with him. If we're gonna go, we have to go with him. We can't 
it's one for all and all for one, basically, is what he tells him. And as they're inside the the flash well, museum, this but, is when the memory things come up. No, but before the memory things, like, Wally says, you taught me, like, he's like... We run towards danger run. right away. Right. And that's, that's when he turns around and leaves. Yeah, that's what, because, like, that's what the thing is, like, yeah, we always, flashes always keep running, but you taught me to run to, towards the danger, not away from it. Right. Which is really good. Line. And that's when he leaves, and yeah. that's, so... Once he's inside the museum, like, there's all these pictures and wreckage and, like, different statues and the pictures of all of them when they were young and a picture of Bart and a picture of uh, Max. And as they're in there, like, Barry comes up behind him and he's like, yeah, you know, maybe I wasn't, you know, I, I should be, I should maybe I should listen to you a little more. Like, he's basically trying to apologize for his attitude. And while he's like, you do know that while you're gone, I, I saved the world a lot. Like, I've always been in your shadow. I've, right? saved, I've saved the multiverse more than you'll ever know, more than anybody has. Right. And so it, it, they have a cool coming to light, like the moment for the two of them. It's really, it's really a flash family story and it's awesome. Anyway, at that point we get a flash of the bat who laughs eyes again, the demon bat. And, uh, the two of them have decided they're going to work together and they're going to try to get the Moby's chair and whatever it takes. We got to get there to try to stop the problem. And so they all decide to work together. And about that time we get this crazy buzz in the speed force and all their costumes change around them, savor Wally's. And they get all, like, kind of hardcore metal-like chains and leather jackets. And he's like, it's the bat who laughs trying to force his way in. He's trying to change reality around us again. He's trying to change all of us. And Jay's like, well, I guess we better get going then. It's time to hit the road. And so they all get ready, set, and as the speed equation wears off, they take off, like, you know, like lightning. And they're like, you know, this this time we're not going to run away. We're going to run towards them. So they've changed their direction. They're running towards the Mobius chair and towards the legion of evil flashes, um, which completely catches them by surprise. Uh, cause of what the bat who laughs or the demon bat is expecting is not that. Right. And uh, as they're running through they're they're all t- telling each other, don't ever stop running never stop. And they're just shredding through these flashes. Like they totally turn the idea on top of them. And granted there is a legion of them. There's so many evil flashes. It's crazy. And the bat's like, what are you guys doing? Like, what is, what is this? And he realizes they're going after the chair. So up to that point, they was just chasing him. He didn't, he didn't think about them coming back for it. And, uh, as of course they run through the different bats and the, well, not bats, I guess, the different flashes. Eventually he's like, it's time to take the fight to the, to, to the bat. And we see them come up on a gaggle of robins, the little crow robins. And uh, they burst through them and just leave them all flying all over the place. It's pretty crazy. Um, then we have a Clayface Batman that Jay pun- that Barry punches out. And as they're fighting him, Wally's like, I'm falling behind, guys. I can't. That's Jay first, actually. Wallace. Well, Wallace Jay, is Jay, one. Jay Jay's first. the second one. Jay's uh, I can't keep up, boys. I'm going to have to keep these guys off your tail. It, it, keep going. Don't come back for me this time. I'm going to fight. I'm going to fight them off and hold them. And uh, he stops, and he turns around, and now he's surrounded by these evil flashes. He's like, well, I guess it's time for you guys to see a good fight. I was taught by Ted Grant. And he's, like, ready to start boxing. Which, if you guys don't know, Ted Grant's, like, a... Um, it's Wildcat, isn't it? Wildcat. Yeah. Like, he's like from like, the Just Society, and he's, like, a prized, like, a... Prized boxing fighter. Boxer. Like, mm-hmm. it's, like, one actually one person that Batman actually trained with how to fight. Yep. He's the guy who trained by Batman how to box. So, training from Ted Grant's a pretty big deal. If you don't know who he is, now you know. Knowing he's half the battle. Yeah. 
anyway, after that, it leads to uh, Wallace telling him, I got to go back, guys. I can't leave Jay by himself. Well, he's running out of speed, too. He's yeah, like, he's he's like I, I can't keep up, guys, so I'm going to go back for I'm gonna go back for Jay. So that just leaves the two. We have Wally and Barry running, and as they tear through more, more groups of crows and are constantly being gained on, the two of them start talking, and Barry's like, you know, you've always been faster than me, and I should have... I shouldn't have always made you in my shadow. I should have let you be in front. Now I'm going to let that happen, and I'm going to give my speed to you. And he basically gets behind him and, like, pushes all of his speed force power into Wally, making him just that much faster. Barry falls behind because of it. Right. But he sends him forward with all of his power. So this is, like, the ultimate Highlander endgame moment when Connor gives all his stuff to... um to Duncan? To Duncan. Yep. He's like, I'm going to give it all to you. Just take me, and then we'll get our powers combined. Like, And it's just like, <laughs> totally what that's from, actually. It, it, it's it, insane. It, it is. Well, we wind up seeing, as this happens, we wind up seeing Wally's costume change from the crazy blue... Back to the red. Back to the normal red, regular Flash suit. And he says, we get a cool monologue for him, like internal monologue, where he's like, I've been thinking about what scares me. And I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to think about what makes me happy. And so we see shots of his wife. We see shots of his son. We see shots of him as Kid Flash next to Barry. And we see shots of Iris. We see shots of, the, of the, his two kids being born. And we get a shot again of the back of the watch. And the back of the watch has an engraving on it that says, Every second's a gift. And he's like... From Barry. It's, yeah, from Barry. So we're right back to where we were at the very beginning of the story when he opened up the watch. And he's like, this is finally going to make it. And next thing you know, he's in the room with the Mobius chair. And he sits down on it. And he's like, hey, Bat, you tried too hard. And he gives him no, like the, the Bat that tries too hard. The bat that tries too hard. He's talking trash to him. Yeah. Because he wants to get him all riled up. And he sits down on the chair. He's like, too slow. And he gives him like the, 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 rock, uh, and roll. the rock and roll horns. And the, they hear a big kaboom. And the Bat's just like sitting there kind of laughing, which makes me wonder what, you know, what that's about. But uh, after the boom, we have Wally falling through the speed force, basically. And he's like, ah, it feels like I'm I'm not lost. Before, when I was here, I was lost. And as he shoots out the other side, we're in this completely white area with the Mobius chair. And all the rest of the speedsters are there. And his wife and his kids, Max, Mercury, all of them are there. Just quick. I, yeah. That's this um, cool, like, whole reunion. Even even uh, Bart's there as well. Yep. Impulse. Yep. And uh, so he talks to his wife for a second, and he talks to the kids for a second. And, and Impulse is kind of the ones that, like, guided him there, because he's, like, he's the one that figured it out. Yeah, the one that Impulse figured out how to get them all out of reality into this little pocket to keep them safe from the bat. So the whole reason the kids are there, and the whole reason Iris is there, is because of Impulse. Like, he figured out how to get them there. Because he's from the future, so he kind of, like, had this, this backwards loophole thing. That, right. Which is neat. So, uh, Wally's looking at the chair and he, he leans down to his son and he tells him that I have to run again. He's like, you're going to go again, dad? He's like, yeah, but. Well, they, well, first they talk about, they're like, so, you know, like, can we just stay here? And they're like, no, he'll come here eventually. But like, now that we're right. all together, we're not afraid anymore because we know we have a place that we can come when we're, that we're always going to be here and that we're all going to be safe. And now that we're all together, we're really, it's going to be really hard to beat us. Right. So he tells his son that he has to leave again. And uh, he tells them that all they all need to be ready. Because and he, and he also he also him. get his wife being like, I heard that you had a new blue suit, and I was really excited to see it. It sounded really neat. And then the kids are like, because they, they're all being all romantic and like right. mushy gushy and like yeah yeah and like yeah. And I was really excited to see it. And he's like, at least you know, somebody likes the blue, right? 
Yeah, we we want to have in Jaytel, and we'll be we'll be ready whenever you need us. We'll be ready. See, I don't. I feel I feel younger than I ever felt. And we see the uh, the suit change from the classic Flash back he, to the blue suit. He touches the chair. He touches the chair and transforms him back. So now he's back to being the blue Flash, and uh, he basically tells him to you know to be ready when he calls them. And then uh, the three of the three of them, Jay, Barry, and uh, Wally, and Wally all run off to the next stage of the adventure with the movie chair flying behind them. Because they have to go, because everybody's, you know, the kids are asking, like, can't we just stay here? And they're like, no. Because the battle eventually find us. Yeah. And they're like, and they're like, but also, like, you know, just because we're all family, we got to go help the Justice League because the Justice League's our family as well. Right. Yeah, he lines out that it's not just us, it's a family. It's, it's the Justice League too, and they need our help. And so it tells us the next part continues in issue four of... Metal. Speed, or of Death Metal. So, like, all these side books have been happening between that, except for the the ones that are origin stories, of course. Right. But, yeah, like, the ending of the story is freaking great. Like, it's 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 awesome. Um, I, As far as the score, man, I, um, I love Max Mercury. I think he's awesome. Like, all seeing those characters, like, it's crazy because Max doesn't show up in hardly anything. Um, I don't know, man. It's, it's, it's really good. Like, uh... Score-wise, I, I want to give it a five because it's really good. Yeah? And, like, the story, it's so, like, I don't know, it's that whole family dynamic for them. And, like, the whole conversation between Barry and Wally is really awesome. And, like, whenever Barry came back from the dead, don't get me wrong, I like Barry Allen just fine. Right. But I remember being in the store and guys would be like, oh, Barry Allen's finally back. This is going to be awesome. And I'm like, how old are you? Right. You never read Barry Allen's stories. I felt the same way. It's so bizarre. I, and I've, I've talked about this on this show like a thousand times that like, I'm a Wally West Flash guy. That's my jam. Like, sure. He is my favorite Flash. He always will be. Just like Kyle Reiner will always be my favorite Green Lantern. Just like, just like Tim Drake will always be my Robin. Like, it's just me. That's who I am. Those are my choices that I made. That's, sure. You know, I'm, I'm Team Drake, man. Like, and I feel like, <laughs> but you know, that's my thing. It's like when the new 52 came around, all three of those characters, all kind of took back seats, you know, some less than others and some sure. more than others. But like, you know, Wally West to me is my flash. Right. He like, he did the entire, like Jeff Johns, entire flash run is all Wally West. And people forget like the flash wasn't that popular before Jeff Johns took over writing that book. Like he, Jeff Johns created like properly created and established the rugs, like, you know, the rugs gallery. Yeah. yeah all that stuff. Like just, <clears throat> But yeah, a lot of those stories like that people attribute to, because their suits are the same, and without seeing their hair, you you could easily not know which one. But you forget which. that Wally did all that stuff, oh, yeah. you know, and it, like it was fi- Crisis on Infinite Earth, and which was like what eighty eight. Oh gosh, I don't remember. I'll look right now. Um, but like, man, it, it's one of those things that like. I think it's like, oh well, you know, I really like this better because it's the old thing. It's like I like their first album the best. They're all their their first album's best, like. Their first album wasn't their best because they recorded in a basement and it sounds terrible. The song, you know, like it's good because it's nostalgic, but it doesn't mean it's better. Right. You know, like I, I love 1039 Smooth Out Slappy Hours or sure. 39 Smooth, but it's not a better album than Dookie. I'm sorry. It's not because like For Green Day music. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It's just like Dookie's a better album through and through start to finish because the songwriting, because the producing, because of like. You know, all of, you know, Trey the production, Cole, all of Trey it. Trey Colby and the drummer. And the thing is, is like, yeah, Barry Allen was a good flash. Don't get me wrong. 
but Wally West, like, I feel like really modernized and made the Flash great. And like, I, and I think that like the writers in this are making it, they're trying, they're, they're trying to show that, that conversation between the fans. They're showing that in this book. Finally, it's being covered and talked about because they haven't really, like, they kind of have in the Flash books a little bit talked mm-hmm. about it, but like, they're like, oh yeah, we can kind of both be here and it's kind of a thing, but like, they've never just really been like hashed it out because Wally's an adult now. Like, no, he's well, gone through his age again with this whole batch of stories. Cause when he first comes back out of the Speed Force, he's back to being Teen Titans age. He's not the adult anymore. And all that past is... But he still has all the memories of being an adult. He does. So it's just like, but he's, at that point, yeah. he's been an adult. He's been, he has kids. He has a wife. He has right. a life. He has these things. And it's just like, and Barry, and Barry just still looks at him as like this kid that like... Yeah, that's what this whole, that whole conversation with yeah, him is about that. That's what I think is rad about it. They're like, they're finally hashing that stuff out that hasn't been hashed out. Right. For a long, long time. Since Barry came back. Right. Well, Barry, I feel like both of them have their place in the world as far as characters. But the thing that always drove me nuts is that people don't get that. And in the TV show, the, the, the actor for the TV show, Grant, he plays a great Barry Allen. He really does. But the show is a mixture of Wally West and Barry Allen together. And we have Wallace in the show, which is fine. Um, but Wally is the funny one. Like he's the one with the jokes. He's, he's the mechanic. He's the, he's the humorous. Happy go lucky. Barry Allen, like you said earlier, he is the hard nosed cop. And it's not that the dude couldn't be funny, but the one that r- runs up to Batman and tells a joke or runs up to Wonder Woman is like, how you doing, lady? Is not Barry Allen. It's right. Wally West. And that's like, you know, cause the crisis on infant earth was 85. Right. And so when did he return? Oh, um, 2000. I'll look that up too as we talk. But I think. like, but the thing is, even, even the comparison of, you know, Kyle Rayner and Hal Jordan, like a lot of people didn't really like Kyle Rayner at first, but then people really, really, really liked him. And then Hal Jordan went evil and went all crazy and everybody kind of was like, oh, whatever. But you know what? Like Kyle Rayner, the same thing. Hal Jordan was the, the straight lace, the, um, the test pilot, like top gun guy, just like this, this guy, this hero, this, oh, this man. And like Kyle Rayner was an artist. He was just like right. a lover. He was like, he cared, he cared about, you know, he lost multiple girlfriends right off the bat. He lost oh, he his mom. Hard, he had a hard right you know, life. And he, yeah. just, he just loves and he wanted to create and he just wanted to be. And he loved just, he loved the beauty of the world and the universe and, like, totally different people. Just right. like Just like Wally and Barry are just totally different people. Totally. And so. Yeah, as far as style of things, I, I feel like the the weird shift between the two of them, maybe maybe the costumes weren't the same. Maybe it would have been easier for people to differentiate them. But I have a feeling a lot of people, when they connect the two things, they don't see the difference. And that's fine. I mean, it is what it is, whatever. I mean, likely you're very going to like. Um, as far as the thing, neither one of them are bad. But yeah, where Wally falls is a different kind of thing. And so I, I, I do like that piece in here. And I, I really like the, the humanity to the rest of it, which is really pretty cool. And like, I feel like Williams has done a really good job in his Flash stuff. And, like, his final regular Flash issue happened last month, I think. So we'll see what the new team does with it. But uh, as far as, like, a writer, like, the dude's, he's, the dude's really good. Like, and he's he's another kid that grew up loving comics, because you and me both actually know a dude who went to college with this guy, um, O'Neill, and Williamson went to school together and grew up together. So, like, he was a comic kid his whole life, too. So that's freaking awesome. 
But as far as like a shepherd of writing, yeah, I feel like his flash has been great in this particular issue. Really has a lot of heart. It's awesome. Josh, do you have a score for that book while you're still looking up nonsense? You know, I, I get, I, I get it four and a half. Um, I, I feel like the art as big of a book as this was, was in, wasn't as big as it could have been. Like I, it was, it, it was good. It was just not like blow me away. Um, I like the story a lot. I like the crazy, just, just all of it. There was, there was a lot to it, like throwing Bart in there. I thought it was rad. Like there's just a lot, to, you know, throwing all, all the speedsters, just everything. Um, yeah, I, I don't want to take a lot from it, but a five for me is big, but this one, this was a really, really good book. Um, the one thing that I was looking to talk about earlier, um, was like, there was, you know, since Wally has come back. Um, 2008 actually is what Barry Allen made his return, um, in corporal form. He made like a spirit return earlier than that. Um, and like a zero hour, zero something. Sure. But, um, anyway, the, since Wally's come back, his, this difference of his suit is he has his red hair flowing out of the top of the, of the mask. Oh, depending which version. Yeah, there's, there's been, the way he wears it right now has the open top, yeah. But even when, in his red suit, his red suit was, he was more red and silver, and then he had the red hair coming out of the top. At one, I mean, when he was in the flash books. Oh, so, in the, like, flash forward and stuff, yeah, he's got the silver tone to him, yeah. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. got the silver tone, but his hair's out of the top. It's not, yeah. it's not, the, like, the full skull cap. Yeah, the more um, modern stuff from, like, Heroes in Crisis and from Flash Forward. Yeah. Has a mix Since he's been back, flash. since he's been back, yeah. he's got, it's it's like a, an adult version of his kid Flash suit almost. That's pretty much what it is, yeah. Yeah. So, but in this one, he's got the regular Flash costume on, and at one point, part of the mask rips off, so it, half of it's the regular Flash mask, and half of it's his old school. So it's kind of like showing, like... Transition of things. Yeah, and I thought that was kind of a neat, like, throw in there that they did. I thought that was cool. Well, yeah, whenever he's running and it starts tearing off of him, that's yeah. what you're talking about, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, visually, it's, the book's stunning, man. Like, I... It's great. Just a lot of weird, like, little nuances I thought were cool. So, you know, I, you know if it was up to me, after all said and done, I mean, if the, if the good guys win, we'll see how it goes. You know, we don't know how <laughs> the ending of this thing for, I'm, I mean, maybe DC will just decide it's like, this is how we're going to end it. But, uh, yeah, that's a possibility. We're just going to lock the doors and chain the, chain, chain them shut and I mean, bat who laughs just wins. But anyway, could be another new 52. I don't know. Yeah. Nobody knows, but. You know, like if they go back to his costume, I I would hope that they I would be fine with you know you do Barry Allen is like the the red and the gold, the red and the yellow, and then he then but Barry's is just or but Wally's is the same costume almost, but it's red and silver. Sure, and there's just a lot more silver accent. Like you'd be able to tell the difference. Oh yeah, between the two of them. Yeah, you know, I course. think if they did it that way, but I think the skull cap is necessary. I think the hair coming out of the top really bothers me. Oh, does it? Yeah, like I don't like that. It makes him, it, it does, it makes him look like Kid Flash and it's like kind of annoying to me. Cause I think, I think Wally deserves respect of having the actual full like Flash cow. Cause he almost like lengthwise, he almost carried, I mean from, you figure 86 to, it's like 22 years I think they said, 24 years, like, I don't know when Silver Age Flash was like debuted, but he almost carried it just as long. You know, sure. for like almost 30 years he carried that thing, like they both, ca- you know, I, you know, Barry Allen's first appearance, I, I get, I, we could look it up right now, but like, I, they're probably pretty equal. I think Wally West carried the, the cow of the flash almost just as long. Probably. And I feel like he deserves to carry that, you know, like, 
just, you just throw the silver accents in one and the gold in the other, and they could tell the difference. And like, you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah, you, you got multiple different Robins. Like, why can't you have multiple different flashes? Like, I just, I don't know. I think the hair is kind of stupid. <laughs> I know they're doing it because Wally's like blatantly a redhead, and it's always been kind of his thing. And he's right. He's a little bit more quick to anger, but he's also like has more personality. And he's also more like he's just the funny. He's the funny he, one. He's funnier, but he, yeah. you know, but he has that fieriness to him. That like, sure. I guess we'll see if we want to at some point landing a Flash series that is either the both of them or is two separate Flash series. I mean, I don't know if that's going to happen or not, but it'd be kind of cool to see, you know, two different Flashes in the same book, just alternating who's in charge of the what's happening in the book. You know. I mean, for a while we had two Batmans. It was the Nightwing was Batman, and Batman came back from the dead. And the way we told the difference between the suits is that one had a headlight style Batman logo, and the other one had the normal Batman logo. Right. So you know that whole Batman and Robin series moved forward for a while while Bruce was running around doing stuff as Batman also. So we could see it. I mean, it's not impossible. Or you leave him blue, but make him the full skull cap. I don't. I don't care. Oh, blue with the blue cover. I don't know if they do that or not, but it'd be kind of cool to see. Yeah. I just, I think the red hair is a little weird, but whatever. Yeah. I just, I really like Wally. He's my jam. He's he's my Flash. So it's cool to see him like making a mate, a big like. That's it's it's all about him right now. I oh yeah. Really well, mean. ever since Heroes in Crisis, man, and Heroes in Crisis is pretty. It gets pretty dark towards the end. But yeah, he's had a lot of stuff going on, but it's all been real rough life. I mean, Heroes in Crisis, he's the main fixture of it. Uh, Flash Forward, he's the main fixture of it. So, like, we've had these event books happening separate from the regular Flash series that have been Wally West flavored. So, it's it's not like he hasn't been lack for doing things. There's just a lot of it that's been, I mean, kind of bad. Because he kind of did some bad stuff for a second. Um, but, I mean, we're back to being good again, so it's fine. It wasn't like, it wasn't like super villain bad. I mean, he's trying to get his family back from, from the not existing. It's not any, it's nothing's any worse than what Hal did as Parallax. Well, that's a good point. And everybody kind of is like, ah, oh, it's cool, man. No big deal. It's fine now because we figured out why he did it. It's no big deal, bro. I know. It's, uh, they're all back from the dead. That's the point. If they weren't back from the dead, we'd still be mad at him, I guess. Because of Kyle. I don't disagree. I like Kyle just fine, too. Right. So, there you go. Anyway. And, and when given the ultimate power, which Hal and Kyle both had, Kyle chose to relinquish it to save things, and Hal didn't. So it shows again. But Hal didn't have the ultimate power. He he, he, he took Green Lantern power and then added extra to it. The, the ion power is very different. But he chose to relinquish it and save everything instead. And he could have like ultimate Those power. Two different, could have two been, different things. He was a god. Well, that's true, and that's part of why he and didn't Hal like what had he was it, becoming. Hal, Hal had like the parallax in him. He was it's not the same thing. Close to a god. Not the same thing. It's pretty close. Not the same thing. Not the same thing. And Kyle didn't like what he was becoming after having a conversation with Superman. So, yeah, he needed And right again, choice. okay, perfect, perfect example. Goes back to Superman's my man. He's the one who's like, <laughs> he's, he's the moral compass of the DC oh, universe. Man. That's what makes him so great. I don't dislike him either, so. So that's why Superman's my favorite. Okay. He's like, hey, man. He's like, hey, man, is that really that big of a deal? He's like, you're right, soups. Cool. <laughs> Let's go have a cup of coffee. It's not how that I'll went. I'll take you to Smallville. It's so not how that went. Kind of, but yeah. <laughs> Man. Let's go to Smallville. Uh, My mom will make you a cup of coffee and pancakes. She makes brilliant pancakes. I don't doubt that she probably does. Ma Kent, I'm sure she probably makes delicious pancakes. Heck yeah. And bacon. I, no doubt. She's a farm lady. <laughs> Heck yeah. 
What'd you learn today, Josh? That's always, it always freaks me out when he asks me this question. I, I have an idea earlier on the show and then I forget about it. <laughs> mm, it's over a billion bottle of beers on the, but bottles of beers on the wall to get to the crossroads of limbo. <laughs> I mean, uh, if the juggernaut teaches us anything, it is, yeah. <laughs> so it's pretty good. Uh, that's what I learned today, Josh. Well, I can't great, makes great pancakes. That's true. That just happened like two seconds ago. Yeah. I don't doubt it at all. But they're so delicious. And they're probably great. I know that you don't like syrup, so she'd make you like the best butter to go on them because that's what she's just like. Fantastic. She's like, oh, CBS, you only like the butter? That's okay. true. Check out this freshly churned butter from these that I made myself. That's what she'd be. And you'd I mean, be like, as long as there's like, enough of it, you'd be good. crying. Like, it'd be a tear in your face. Okay, it's so amazing. I don't doubt it. 100%. I know. <laughs> you cry. Good pancakes. You cry over good pancakes. Yeah, that's true. Light and fluffy. It's fantastic. Plenty of butter. Awesome. Um, did you get any books to watch, Josh? Well, I'm interested in um, this metal stuff that's going on because I kind of want to see where that goes because it's really sure. crazy. Yeah, it's um, been it's been nuts and it's been good. That Doom book was fantastic. I don't usually say the books that we cover, but man, there are some good ones tonight. I was very sure. impressed with your picks. A couple weeks in a row, man. A few weeks in a row, actually. Now I've yeah. just been like, dang. Good job. And it's all heading for a fall, I'm sure. And I always got a shout out to Usagi, man. Like, he just, fantastic stuff. Um, there's some G.I. Joe, a bunch, I said it last episode, G.I. Joe has a bunch of, uh, a couple of new books coming out. Um, like special missions and then, uh, like, uh, they do, they do like encyclopedia kind of like a, a guidebook of sorts. Yeah, of. a guidebook, which yeah. is going to be neat. But they also, Serpentor is returning in the actual regular series, like full on or something. That's good. We'll see where that goes. Now I love G.I. Joe, so. Sure. Um, as far as, uh, books suggestion wise, I'd say, well, Fabulous Killjoys is getting another run. Ooh. Uh, yeah. It's going to be a five part mini. No, sorry, six part mini series. Uh, the full title is, is Fabulous Killjoys National Anthem. So I kind of feel like just from the cover images we've seen, these are a little more like what the characters were in the video. So I have a feeling that this is going to be a little more like kind of what I thought the first series might have been. So I think that's really cool. Uh, Gerard, I mean, surprisingly, the dude's good. He's a pretty good writer. I do like what he does. Um, Overwatch, the video game, is getting a five-part miniseries. And a couple pictures for it that were in the previews catalogs look awesome. So I think that'll be cool. It's, uh, Tracer, uh, last, last, or no, sorry, Tracer London Calling is the title. So if you are a, uh, Overwatch fan, it should be a cool batch of, uh, books for you. And then there's one coming out from Image. This is another indie. Uh, called Homesick Pilots. And, uh, there's some previews in last month's catalog for the, like, preview pages. And the best I get from the preview pages is that our main character is trapped in a house that turns into a mech and then wanders around through the world doing things, I guess. Uh, the write-up, they tell us, they, they say it's like Power Rangers meets The Shining. And part of it does look like crazy dark magic and just crazy. So I, I think that's really cool. Um, I'm interested to see what it winds up really being, because initially when we have the dialogue going on, it's all this person that, that sounds like they're trapped in wherever they're trapped, and we see this crazy beam shoot out of a window of a house, and then all of a sudden the house transforms up into a, like a mech robot. It's awesome, the way it looks. So I'm interested in that thing. I think that'll be cool. Uh, another book that I want to just shout out is the... Uh, 
which I know I've talked about the last few episodes because it's freaking great, and we did the one review on it. The we we only find them when they're dead. Issue two that should be dropping next week. It's time wise, it doesn't help you with this show because who knows when you're listening. But as a thing, it's in third print for number one. Third prints came out. Um, well, this week again, time doesn't help. But if you have not seen that thing, Al Ewing, it is freaking great. Um, it's awesome. So that's awesome. The uh, I think those other ones will be good. Uh, other books that are running right now, they're really good. Thor's crazy good and just super freaking popular. It's getting print after print after print, so that's wild. Um, so yeah, if you dig Thor stuff at all, Donny Cates is writing it, and uh, his next book from Image that crossover, still super stoked on it. So, but it comes out maybe next month, I think. And don't forget, Mandalorian is less than thirty days away. That's true, as of today. So Mandalorian should be great too. When this comes out, I mean, it's less than thirty days. Right. So, so that's I mean, that's a good thing for everyone. Which is which is, I mean, if you don't like The Mandalorian, you either haven't watched it, or... I mean, you might be a Trekkie that's a, a hardcore Or you're Trekkie. a commie. Yeah, I, say. I wouldn't say communist. I'd say communist. Tre- Trekkie, maybe. Communists don't like Star Wars. Is that true? I don't think that's true. For sure, like real ones. <laughs> like Stalin, like a real one. He was just like, I don't like that. It wasn't my idea. Man. I mean, I guess that's probably true. Like proper ones, like <laughs> like, Ch- like Chairman Mao. He was just like, no, that wasn't my idea. That's terrible. Sure. You know, like a proper commie. Not just like, <laughs> oh, can I have some more bread, please? And like, no. I mean, not like the, I mean, I'm sure those people like it if they get to see it, but they don't know what a TV is. So Right. That's, that's true. Um, social media is Josh. Um, Wendell24 on Instagram, W-I-N-D-L-E-2-4. Um, we are also at um, Action Figure Deconstruction on all social media platforms. We are behind on that. I've, my life's been insane, and it's on me, um, CBS, even though his part is the harder part. Um, I've been working like 60-plus hours a week, so I've just been having a hard time getting time to for us to film and me not look like I am a raccoon. Um, also, we have the Never Been Done podcast, which is CBS and Mai's other podcast, which is um, a little bit more laid back, and we put less, um, I won't say effort into it, it's just like, it's just a little bit um, more ridiculous and... A little more of a train wreck, how about that? I don't say train wreck, it's just more ridiculous. Uh, we, you know, we did Adam Sandler last week, it was pretty fun, like we've just been doing some good ones. The Mel Brooks episode, I think, is fantastic. You know, it's just kind of pick and choose of like directors and actors and things like that but also it's just it's if you're listening to with if you listen to this one and you have your kids or any of that kind of stuff that one is more rated r so don't listen to it with with your kids unless you don't care which so my very, sister my sister does not care so she would listen to it um it's a very different kind of show and also your art is at top five comics cbs i'm on instagram yeah that's true and um top five comics podcast.com has links to everything that we do true um including our friends is a hot sauce review show, which is called Scovillionaires. Right. So if you like hot sauce, check that out. It's a little YouTube show. Um, they're usually like five minutes long. They're pretty easy. Just like, um, just like actually deconstruction is only usually about 10 to 12 minutes long average. Um, they're pretty easy and they're, um, the action figure ones really fun because we're just basically unboxing a figure. So, um, check it out. We got sure. a new one today from Joy Toy, which I showed you, which is really, really cool. It is. Um, a couple of new G.I. Joe ones, one's an Amazon exclusive that we have been waiting to do. I haven't opened it special because it's like, it just, I'm really stoked on it. 
it's just been things have been crazy, so we're trying to. Um, these are a little, little bit easier because we can figure them out on Wednesday night, kind of thing. But you know, like it's to life, and you've been running the store by yourself, kind of, and like, which is a lot on your shoulders as well. So we're doing this because we love it, and we just like to hang out, and talk books, and these are good ones. Um, if the you know, I would say if there's a book you guys are interested in, and you want to hear about it, and you're not gonna be able to get it or something, shoot us a message on the top of sure. socials, and CBS will get back to you, and we'll see if we can get to it. I mean, I'll try to. You can leave comments on the Podomatic site, though. Um, every episode has a spot where you can leave a comment if you want to leave a comment. Yeah. Or you can leave comments so on... So is it uh, podomatic.com backslash top five comics podcast? I believe so. If you just Google it and then that or if, you just, or if you just go to the top five comments podcast.com, there's a, the link yeah. will take you to the, the Podomatic site. The Podomatic so there's, site. there's a place to leave comments on that. But um, you can send an Instagram comment and CBS will get back to you. You can also put the comments on the Facebook page. For, on Facebook. Uh, Top five comic comic talk, no comic talk, no top five comics, comic talk. I think is what it is. I should remember that. You uh, can find us on Facebook as well. Under I was just top five comics podcast. Maybe and I don't remember. But you you, you, you <laughs> can find figure that out. You can find the store, so this will be easier. If you find top five comics, which is the store, from the store you can find the podcast as well. So did you get new stickers for the the podcast? Uh, for the action figure deconstruction, yes. But for top five comments? No. Not yet? Okay. We'll be get, we should get some soon. Sure. Be fun. But we, don't you have some old ones? Oh, yeah. So we have, we have some, so, and you got some new cool new ones too for the comic store. True. We do a couple of new stores. If you're, you're shopping the area, come down and see the new stickers. Yeah, cause like you got some new, they're cool, the hologram ones. Like, I'm not gonna say what that is, but they're, they're pretty rad. There's yeah. A bunch of cool new stuff, so. Go go by the shop, say hi to CBS, pick up, even if you're, you can't pick up a book, pay a buck or two for a sticker. And say sure. Hey, and just say hey. Yeah, yeah. Give him a air high five because of COVID. Yeah, we're not supposed to touch each other, which is weird. You know, an air five, like air five. Yeah, no, I'm with you. All right. Uh, to keep. Oh. Oh.